This is another sports podcast. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another damn sports podcast. I am Drew Torres here with Money Mike Gilchrist, and filling in today is Nick Padula, a very frequent guest of this podcast. We were planning on bringing him on anyway, but after Steve said uh, he was unable to join us tonight, we thought it'd be best to bring on a guest host here. And uh, unfortunately, there's probably no better week to bring on a guest host than this week after following the unfortunate uh, medical uh, emergency that occurred during the Monday night football game between the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals, a very unfortunate event where DeMar Hamlin collapsed on the field after a routine tackle, uh, tackling T. Higgins uh, about just over halfway through the first quarter. Um, He came to his feet after making the tackle and then immediately collapsed to his back. Uh, They have confirmed that it was cardiac arrest. They were forced to perform CPR on the field, on Damar Hamlin. Uh, obviously, during the broadcast, there was a lot of confusion, a lot of fear. Uh, anybody watching definitely had some feelings of anxiety. Nobody ever wants to see anybody have to go through something like that, especially on a national stage in front of millions of people watching. Uh, Nick, obviously, you are a Buffalo Bills fan. You've been watching Damar Hamlin play since he was drafted by the Buffalo Bills from Pittsburgh. Um Obviously, everybody watching was affected, but you, you've you watched this guy play a lot, and seeing those players on the Bills squad that, in some cases, when you're watching your favorite football team, you, you feel such a personal connection to, seeing their emotional responses to the situation that occurred um, had to just be heart-wrenching, right? It's definitely, like, the weirdest, most undescribable thing, I think, could all agree we've ever seen a sporting event in general let alone football um and it, it took them it took a while before it really set in what like the magnitude of what was happening um i think you know i i re- wrote in the group chat because this was like the second time they had to stop the game for an injury already and only the second offense or second defensive drive for the bills um, you know, they had their slot corner, Teron Johnson, get like had some sort of head injury and be taken out. And then, you know, another Bills defender is down on the field all of a sudden, and they're having to go to a, a TV timeout for an injury. And I texted you guys like, what the fuck is going on? Like, what? this is ridiculous. And then they come back and they showed what happened and some of the faces on the field and yeah, I mean, we've seen, like, bad breaks, broken bones, even, like, the head injuries, like, the Tua cringed-up hand comes to mind. But all of those, you know, even the ones where we've seen people go out in an ambulance, which has happened from time to time, there's always some sort of – there's never a time where nothing seems to be happening, and there's always, like, the thumbs-up moment, and, and none of that happened. Like, as soon as – I realized, like, oh, there's an ambulance on the field, and he's not being put in it right away. Um, you know, I knew something something very bad was going on, and obviously, like, the the faces on the player, like, the looks on the players' faces told you everything you needed to know, that, like, something extremely serious was going on. And I told you guys, like, all I was having is deja vu that we were about to watch 
you know, a young man lose his freaking life on, on the field. Like that's, it's just like, as more and more time went on, it seemed more and more likely that that's what was happening. Yeah. So, and, and, and to cut it real quick on that, um, I was having some pretty crazy, crazy emotions during this whole thing. Obviously we, we've spoken about it on this podcast before we had, or one of my classmates, someone that you, all three of us went to high school with at one point or another, uh, ended up passing away on the football field after a routine play. Uh, complaining of a headache coming off the field and then uh, unfortunately collapsed and passed away uh, pretty pretty immediately afterwards. Uh, it was a friend that I, I wasn't insanely close with him, but we would sit next to each other in the classroom. We we would he was a Titans fan, so him and I would would always bicker back and forth. It, it was it was a it was a fun relationship that um that was something that it, whenever something like this happens, I always reflect on and kind of just brings me back to the time where. We had to see one of our friends at such a young age in a casket. It, it was such a terrible feeling. And I can only imagine what the teammates, because he was on the football team. Obviously, I didn't play football. What his teammates felt during that time when he collapsed. And uh, similarly, what the Bills players felt here. Just the absolute fear of terror. And Money Mike, I'll have you hop in here. Um, just an absolutely terrible scene. Yeah, it was like I w- I want to go back to the you know the build up before this game because it was supposed to be such this impactful game on the standings for the AFC. It was a big game for the Buffalo Bills. They win this game. They set themselves up to possibly be the, the number one seed. So there's a lot of excitement around the team. There's excitement around this game. Like people are saying, oh, this might be the greatest Monday Night Football game ever because this is the most wins two Monday Night teams have had this late in the season. And it looks like we were going off to a great start. The Bengals go out and score. Then the Bills go out and answer with a field goal. And then, you know, like you guys described, this all happens and like all that excitement, all that like thinking about all the impact that this game was going to have just completely went out the window because all you were looking at, at least for me, when I saw Josh Allen in tears, when I saw players hugging each other, when I saw players from the Bengals now coming over surrounding, it wasn't just the Bills players, it was now people on both teams coming over and surrounding it, you know, um, Coach Sean McDermott's just down on his knees, you know, uh, basically in prayer position um, it, and, and, and just the constantly just the we're going to go off the air, we're going to come back, we're going to go off the air. And um, when you heard that he had CPR applied to him, when you heard that he had to be given oxygen out of the stadium um, and that he was transferred to the hospital in critical condition, you were just like shook. And it was something that was bigger than just football because I was flipping around just to see if anybody else was talking about it and CNN was covering it. MSNBC was covering it. Fox news was covering it. Everybody stopped what they were talking about in terms of what they had a pre-planned show for. And everybody was talking about this event because this was bigger than football. This was a human being playing a sport that we as Americans love, but I don't think we always think about how risk involved it is. And we talked about it in the show uh, a few weeks ago, you posed the question of, oh, when we have kids, would we want them to play football? This was one of those moments where we were just like, it, you take a step back and realize, wow, these athletes really put themselves on the line, literally, every single week, playing a very intense sport. And now somebody who, you know, he was a six-round draft pick. He's worked incredibly hard just to get an opportunity. Um, he's playing in that position for the Bills so actively because Hyde went down early in the season, if I'm getting that right. So he's worked so hard to get to this point. He has an opportunity not only to be playing the sport that he's dreamed of playing, 
but he's playing on a team that is in the conversation as possibly one of the teams to win the Super Bowl, one of the handful of teams that people legitimately think can win the Super Bowl and has the potential to win the Super Bowl, playing one of the biggest Monday night football games that we've ever seen. It's just it, you don't you you lose your thought for words. It's just it's insane. And it, we're still waiting for results to come in about his status. I mean, we've gotten a little bit. Um, you know, that he's good doing a little bit better. Um, but it's still, he's still listed as in critical condition. So I, um, yeah, it was just, it, it was just, it, it shook me. It shook every, uh, almost everybody that watched it that has a heart. Um, and you just send prayers out. You send good thoughts out if you're not a religious person. Um, and I was happy to see that so many people rose up to donate to his charity that he initially only wanted $2,500 worth was their goal and they've raised what over four million i think it's almost at seven so, now i was just looking earlier yeah um but here let, nick let me pose the question to you then obviously you weren't on that episode of the podcast you have a son so you you're kind of in a scenario where this is a thought that does come into your head um what are your thoughts on ever allowing your son to play football and is is whenever you see stuff like this does it really shake you in a way you never would have fathomed before you were a father. Yeah. I mean, so we've joked, um, Quincy has a really large head that he would make a great linebacker. Um, we've said this <laughs> like, like since he was born. Um, and honestly, so the more that comes out about this injury, like it's, it's not the first time it's ever happened that um, this sort of blunt force to the chest has caused Know, the the heart to be knocked out of rhythm and you know cardiac arrest. I guess it happened in a hockey game once when a puck got like slap shot right at a guy's chest. Mm -hmm. Um, I, the only reason I bring that up is like I think it's it's part of it's it's part of the risk of playing the higher and higher level sports that that you get into. I mean even like high school level sports is enough that. You can break bones, you can have head injuries, and you know apparently there's a chance of something like this happening that none of us really realized, and I don't think the players really realized, you know, and even if they do, you just like don't expect it to happen ever. So uh, it's just a like a, a really harsh reality check for all of us that this has always been a risk. Um, obviously like nothing strange about the play, right? It's not like, what is the NFL going to do? It's not like the concussions where, um, you know, you can legislate the way tackles are made. And, you know, unless we're going to flag football, like that's a part of the game. It's, it's like tackles like that happen in every single play in, in the foot in, in NFL football. The game has never been safer, right? Like the game has never been safer. And this is what happened when it happened. This has never happened yeah. in the NFL before. So me personally, um, when it comes to my my son, my kids, all I want them to do is make an in, as informed a decision as they can make. But I refuse to ever make that decision for them. I, I refuse to ever force my kids to do any sort of activity or you know subscribe to any sort of um, you know religion or political party or anything like that. I want them to know. All the options on the table. Yeah, I mean, even the Bills. I mean, they're kind of, I am kind of forcing him into the Bills, but he's gonna know one day there are more teams, and like, you know, I'm not gonna tell you what you have to what you have to root for. Um, obviously, like at the end of the day, it's sports ball, right? Like it's not. It's <laughs> and I think that's what the NFL 
Um, not to get you know off topic for what the question was, but I'm so glad that they didn't like even attempt really to to play the rest of this game. There's no way just from looking at the faces on those players that there was they were going to play an even semi normal football game after that happened. Um, so I don't yeah. know how you guys how you guys feel about how all of that went down and how real this like five minute warm up thing that they were talking about on the field was. Yeah. Uh, I think everyone kind of froze. I mean, even especially the NFL, like what, what do you do? And they're right. still kind of frozen. Like, what do we do from here? But in the moment, I mean, nobody really knew how to respond. It was, this is not normal is, is basically yeah. the biggest takeaway. Yeah, it might, yeah. Like real quickly before I'm going to let you hop onto this first, but I just want to very quickly for anybody who's listening that can't actually see this. We pulled it up the GoFundMe for the chasing M's foundation in Demar Hamlin's name, currently at six point eight, almost six point eight five million dollars. Jim Irsay and the Indianapolis Colts, the top is the top donation with twenty five thousand dollars. I looked at this before. Other names that have donated: Matt Stafford, twelve thousand dollars; Tom Brady, ten thousand dollars; Chris Jericho, ten thousand dollars. So even people outside of the football world are throwing a ton of money at this. So an absolutely wonderful showcase of what humanity can be be like at a time of tragedy. Uh, but and my, I think the biggest thing is is most most of the donors are not those big name right. people. It's just like ten, twenty, thirty dollars. Um, just because people don't people like they don't know what to do, how to respond. I mean, this was the primetime only game going on, and so so many people saw this happen live. Yep. And I feel like there was just this like general feeling of helplessness. Um, and, and this gave people, you know, something to latch on to, something to do. It's, it is kind of amazing that it went from, like, a couple thousand dollars to, like, you know, over $8 million. You just hope that, you know, this 24-year-old kid can, can make it through, get this ventilator, get off this ventilator, like, be woken up and you know, pray, to, pray to God or whatever you believe in that, that he's – you know, mentally still okay. And they won't really know until he gets off that ventilator and, and out of a coma. Um, sadly, I've had to experience this in, in my past. And I think, you know, Mike is somebody who is uh, close in, in both of our lives. Their father, who, who uh, you know, had a similar uh, cardiac arrest, heart attack, um, where you lose, lose heart, you lose blood flow, you lose oxygen to your brain. And the longer that goes on for, um, you know, the, the higher risk there is that, that there's the brain activity is severely affected or potentially completely shut off. So, you know, thankfully he was in about the safest, you know, situation you could possibly be in to have a heart attack, right? With like so many people talk about all, all the people watching on TV, but how fast, you know, the, he could be responded to and, and resuscitated on the field. I mean, I know they, they were saying like, nine minutes and, and it just seemed like so long but in the big scheme of things it's probably like as fast as you could possibly be you know resuscitated and so you just hope and pray that he's able to come out of this like you know relatively unscathed um and, yeah. and time, time, only time will tell and, and thank god for the the training staff for both cincinnati and buffalo that they were able to respond as quickly as they did and help resuscitate him because that just completely increased his chances of making it through i mean like that was just so thankful that they were there and sean mcdermott uh it came out that he had said like i don't want to continue coaching this game i need to be at the hospital with him so um i think both head coaches responded really well to the situation 
Um, I think the NFL ultimately did the right thing. Yeah, it was it was strange to do like uh, okay five minutes and we're gonna go back to playing because it's it, this was such an unprecedented event and you normally whenever somebody's been taken off the field due to injury whether it was uh, on a cart or if they brought a stretcher to take a player out normally you know the crowd waits for the player to give that like thumbs up while they're on the stretcher and everybody claps and then everybody mm-hmm. can go on but nobody knew that he was okay so it wouldn't have been right to continue playing so I'm glad that ultimately the right decision was made and the game was just either postponed or canceled completely. We still don't know what they're going to do about it, but I'm glad ultimately the right decision uh, was made there. And, you know, you hear former players that like work at these, um, at these networks at ESPN and Fox sports. And they were talking about how like you say cliches, like lay it all out on the line. And they're kind of like numb to the fact that they're going to get hurt when it comes to like ACL injuries or concussions or broken bones. Like they know going out there, that's the risk that they're taking. But even though they say those things like t- lay it all on the line, they're not thinking about lay my life on the line, you know, type of thing. And these these players, they spend more time with each other than they do their own families a lot of the time. And so there really is a close knit brotherhood. And so many players have played for multiple teams that sometimes, you know, you're going to be uh, even if you weren't out there on the field with the Bills and Bengals players there are people who played for the Bills or played for the Bengals or maybe played with uh, these guys in college that just feels so much empathy for what was going on. I know for the New York Giants, you know, Brian Dayball was uh, the offensive coordinator for the Bills last year. Joe Shane was the assistant GM. We've signed a lot of former Buffalo Bills players who were teammates with Hamlin last year. So there's just so much empathy going around the league. And like Drew said, it was so nice to see in these really dark moments that there is hope for humanity when people rise together and come together. Yeah, there are those people on social media that are negative and, um, can even make a situation like this political or something like that. But I feel like for the most part, most people are good human beings and rose to the occasion here. Um, and so that was a good thing to see out of that as well. So um, one little funny footnote to make a little bit of light of the situation is uh, when it comes to the donations, uh, one of my bosses pointed out to me today that the Washington football team, Washington commanders, uh, whatever you want to call them, uh, donated $5,000. A small business in Washington, D.C. donated 5500 So a small business in Washington donated more than the billion-dollar NFL company in the same city. So I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> Washington com- Commanders with another L after also releasing that pig mascot halfway through Week 17. I, I, I just don't understand what that organization is doing. But yeah, that is funny. But um, I agree with everything both of you have said so far. Obviously, the, the medical staff on scene we're able to make it so Tamar Hamlin is moving in a positive direction per some of his close family and friends that have been able to get in contact with reporters and kind of share at least a little bit of information surrounding the situation. Um, but going back to Nick, I know you, you inquired a little bit about the whole five minute situation. Obviously, I and my money Mike and I were talking about this a little bit too, just privately, like Common sense says, no, we're not going to just take five minutes, warm up, and then continue this game. Obviously, somebody screwed up. Troy Vincent, vice president for the NFL, came out and said, there's no way we told anybody to do that. Who knows if he's telling the truth? In this case, it doesn't really matter. Um, But obviously, that came from somebody. Joe Buck wasn't just going to make that up on the broadcast. So whoever made that declaration that we have to have five minutes warm up and then play the game. Obviously they made a mistake. I'm sure they're being punished for it. If they were able to figure out who it was, I'm sure it's all going to be taken care of. But in the end, like you, you guys were saying, this was such an unprecedented situation, a situation that nobody would have been prepared for. People make mistakes in these scenarios. 
NFL got some negative publicity for it. That's probably all all that's going to happen, and that's fine. Like it, it's just a situation where you understand the pressure of the situation. People get angry during the situation because it's something that the entire nation was distraught about. But now we're at a point where we're just hoping that Demar Hamlin comes out of this healthy. He's able to, Mike, like you said uh, the other day, he's able to potentially join the Bills for their first playoff game. That would be pretty awesome if he's able to show up at least at least walk out the tunnel and and address the crowd, just wave at the crowd, and it, it, that would be such an amazing thing to happen. So, all of us are praying and hoping that that is the case. Um, now that I've kind of now that we've talked about the part that is obviously a thousand times more important than anything else we could ever talk about on this podcast, just the, the health and uh, just the health of DeMar Hamlin. Yes. And well-being of DeMar Hamlin. Let's move on to the actual football football consequences of first time we've ever seen the NFL actually postponing, suspending, potentially canceling a game and not actually letting it complete. And there, ne- there could not have been a more important game for this to happen to because this was a like mike said a very highly anticipated matchup between the bills and bengals to help decide who is going to get that coveted number one seed in the afc that we've been talking about for weeks are the bengals going to finish out the afc north like they should like there there was just so many implications surrounding this game and nick i'll have you start what are your thoughts on all the possible scenarios lay out some of the scenarios you've heard for the bills and bengals game and which one do you think you're leaning towards at this point, because I know it's a difficult decision. Yeah. Um, so my gut this whole time, because of the consequences, you know, if this was a freaking uh, Colts Texans game, I think it would be already a foregone conclusion that the game would just be canceled because it's not <laughs> consequential in any way. Right. Um, but obviously, like this is it's super consequential, and if you don't finish play this game. And there's going to be an asterisk, and I, I hate the idea of an asterisk on this season, especially because the Bills are, you know, one of the Super Bowl favorites. You, you don't want both of them of, are right. Well, yeah, yeah. So I think it's there's a lot, a lot of reasons why the NFL has been silent about what they're going to do, um, and I think that's that's one of them. I think probably the biggest reason. Of, for the NFL silence is the Buffalo Bills silence. So the Bills have not had media availability yet since since this event, not after the game, not the day after, not today. And so um, I think a lot, and even Joe Burrow came out and said, like, I don't know how they're going to reschedule this game. It's going to be super complicated. Whatever the Bills want to do, we'll do. And I bet there's a pretty widespread sentiment from the NFL office about you know the same thing i'm worried that the bills don't want to play this week against the patriots either i'm sure they don't i'm sure they haven't talked football you know very much at all if at all um so i'm i'm i think that's a real possibility it's got to be on the table that at least the bills patriots game doesn't get played this week um and obviously like there's a potential that week 18 gets pushed to replay this you know to finish out this one game I just don't know. Um, I don't know. I mean, I just said I don't know how the Bills are even going to be prepared to play football this weekend, let alone going to back to the scene of the crime and playing the same team on the same field. Um, and so 
I'm kind of coming around to this idea that it's probably more likely that this game doesn't get finished, doesn't get played, um, which is, you know, play, how do, so how do we remove the asterisk as much as possible, assuming that this game doesn't get played, um, which, which maybe it's a safe assumption, maybe it's not. I mean, I think a best-case scenario is that, you know, Kansas City loses this weekend. Um, I, I don't know. The be best-case scenario is that this, this weekend – this weekend's results make the Bills Bengals result inconsequential, and you just move forward um, as you would have. But the likeliest scenario is that it still remains consequential after this weekend. Yeah. So if all three teams you, win, right? So the Chiefs, Bengals, yeah. and Bills, then we're we're still in the same spot, right? So, so it's basically, yeah. if you do nothing else, it would just gift wrap the number one seed to Kansas City, which mm -hmm. I. It's just which is frustrating. Just, <laughs> yeah, so not only do you lose a bye, you also lose home field advantage uh, because of this situation. So I think the NFL is con probably considering options to mitigate, you know, that advantage as much as possible. So, so one thing that that was getting floated around that I sent to you guys just before this um, is the idea of eliminating the bye week between the conference championship games and the Super Bowl, mm -hmm. um, and I guess either potentially just having a standalone game, um, the week in a week 19 game between the Bills and Bengals. I guess that's a possibility. Um, the other possibility would be changing the format of Wild Card Weekend so that just the NFC teams played as well as this Bills-Bengals game in, in the first you know, week of the playoffs, and the AFC teams all get a bye. And then the, sec the second week, the AFC playoffs would start. Obviously, the Bills-Bengals game, would everything would be fallen into place by then, and the NFC teams remaining would all get a free bye. So obviously, the number one seed would not play in that week either. They would get a double bye, which means three weeks between <laughs> between games which yeah. is obviously like there's such a it's thing wild. as like too much too much time <laughs> yeah. off but yeah but if it's the philadelphia eagles you know jalen hurts hasn't been playing for the last two weeks anyways potentially three so what's what's an extra three weeks oh and, and they just they just uh designated that they're gonna be pulling robert quinn and cj gardner johnson off of ir soon so in reality they would welcome that because those guys would be able to get healthy and cut yeah. and and be able to play right but it, yeah so that's, that's such a crazy scenario the, three weeks off like probably the fairest <laughs> yeah. way if if they are going to play this game um and so and the thing the thing that i assuming they're going the bills are going to come back and play football this year which you know i i, I don't even want to talk about like the the reality we could live in where that doesn't happen um hard because none of us have heard about from any bills coaches players anything uh, other than like thoughts and prayers demar hamlin is our focus that's it um so it, a lot of this is going to come down to how they decide to approach this because some people would say completely shut down and not be able to to move on and others would be like you know this is our this is our brother we're fighting we're fighting this fight he would want us to play let's do this for him yeah um you 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 want to think that that's probably you know, where this is all going unless football is getting canceled altogether i think that's probably yeah you know the the, the approach that they're going to have to take um you know potentially as soon as this weekend playing to play to play the patriots so it's it's hard to have this conversation because there's so many assumptions being made but i think that idea is probably the fairest yeah 
fairest. Um, obviously, they could push this week's this weekend's games altogether. I just don't think the Bills are ready to go play the Bengals in Cincinnati again. Um, I think it's too late in the week for that to be a reality. They already said they're not planning on rescheduling Week 18 games. So they already rescheduled the Bengals-Ravens game to 1 o'clock Sunday as well. So it seems like they're they're moving forward with the Week 18 situation and just kind of, kind of making changes where they need to. Money Mike, uh, we'll, we'll pull you in. What do you think is I, – I know, I know there's no right answer here. What do you think is the right answer in your eyes for what they should do with the Bills-Bengals game? Well, I don't think that shutting down the entire NFL season is on even on the table. That's no, not yeah, going to happen. There's I, no I, way that's going to yeah, happen. That, that's not going to happen. Um, but um, I don't think that there's going to be a scenario suggested that will that fans will necessarily think is fair, no matter what. Um, I think that fortunately, players and coaches um, are being talked to about this whole thing, and so they're going to all agree on whatever the solution proposed is. And we just kind of have to respect that from that standpoint. I do think it is unfair. Um, it is unfair if the bills are kind of like in a way penalized for this, where Kansas city is the number one seed and they're the two seed or the three seed because this happened, this was out of completely out of their control. Uh, what I'd like to see happen is week 18 play out. And I'm just hoping for whatever happens in week 18, that it, it that the game would be inconsequential and they just don't play it and they just move on with the schedule as is. I think that that's, that would be the best case scenario. Now, I do see a scenario where that is the case. And the reason I think that is that, like Nick said, we don't know if the Bills want to play on Sunday, but we know their opponent wants to play because their opponent needs this win desperately. And um, so I, I think that we could see potentially the Chiefs beat the Raiders, the Bills lose to New England, and the Bengals win against Baltimore. Now, that would make the Bengals-Bills game consequential from a standpoint of a head-to-head because technically I think the Bengals and Bills would then have the same record. Mm-hmm. Um, but they could also go to other tiebreakers and, and, and seed them two and three. And I think both Bills and Bengals players would be okay with whatever those results were if it, you know, because it was such an emotional situation. So that's kind of my hope in this whole thing is I hope that they – um, I hope that the results of this weekend kind of make that game inconsequential, but if it doesn't, um, I do hope that they do at least play that game. And, and I, I think that the suggestion of wildcard weekend being adjusted is the most fair thing they could possibly do. Cause everybody at some point would get the same amount of rest other than the number one seeds getting three weeks off. Um, but at least each number one seed would have the same amount of time off. It's not like one, like the AFC number one seed gets more time than the NFC number one seed. Um, and, it, and well, if the, the Bills are the number one Right, I was going to say, unless the Bills are the number one seed, yeah. yeah then they would still yeah. get their yeah. bye week. Right, It would yeah. just yeah. be a normal bye. So, yeah, I, that's it, the, it, it's hard. The, the NFL, though, is, it, this, this situation is unprecedented, but the NFL has always found a way to adjust to situations when it came to, you know, um, with COVID, they were able to find a solution to that with, and obviously this isn't the same as Hamlin's injury. I'm just saying in terms of adjusting the schedule, um, back, you know, we were all so young, but back in 2001 for 9-11, they delayed the entire week of games and pushed everything back week. Now that was at the very beginning of the season yeah. versus now where we're getting into the postseason. but they were able to completely sell games for that week and, and move on. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know if there is necessarily a fair answer. Um, mm-hmm. I will say that, uh, you know, this is going to be something that the bills 
um, emotionally are going to have to cope with if they are going to have to play going forward. And whether or not they win the Super Bowl or they lose it, this event is going to be a reason why for either result. Either this is going to really rally them together to really push them through. Because the Bills have gone through. I mean, talk about a team that has had to endure a lot in a single season. The Bills have had so much to overcome this year emotionally. Not just like from uh, a just ups and downs in terms of wins and losses and from a football standpoint, they've had to overcome a lot of emotional hurdles throughout this year. Um, so they are a team that is definitely going to, if they win the Super Bowl, has earned that Super Bowl win. Um, and, you know, if, if they were to fall short at this point, no one would really blame them. No one would jump on them. Like, you know, I, I find it fun to troll the Bills and their fans every now and then, but I wouldn't use this as an excuse. Oh, something bad happened to the Bills. This always happens to them. No, like, this is something that, you know, you couldn't see coming. Yeah. And it wouldn't be fair to say, oh, this team, like, really uh, – they, they fell short of expectation. None of that criticism this year now at this point, not with after what we just saw on Monday night. Um, and I don't know if um, you're giving both teams a tie or, or just playing week 18 and letting the standings win percentage go based on that. Is that all fair? No, but I don't know if they'll necessarily find a fair solution. So yeah, I'm curious a... to see what they do, but we'll, we, we'll have to just wait and see what they do. I have a thought um, that wasn't that I haven't seen out there. It just came to my mind. Um, obviously, we talked about like finding a way to play that game. But on the other hand, if that game's not played, instead of just gift wrapping for one seed and all the advantages that come with that to the Kansas City Chiefs, assuming they they beat the Raiders, um, what do you guys think of the idea of of adding a, an AFC wild card? team and eliminating the first round by for the number one seed but it's a, you still get that home field in the afc championship game but yeah. you don't get the extra rest and an extra team makes makes the playoff it's just something that came to my mind i just feel like it's such a big advantage for the number one seed to just be given it with an asterisk feels so wrong to me um you want to somehow mitigate it as much as possible so in this case, it would be but, you don't but, touch the NFC, just the AFC. Right. You you give another team a chance that wouldn't normally. So we're talking Pittsburgh or New England or potentially the Raiders, I guess. One of the, one of these fringe AFC teams trying to make the playoffs. Maybe the Dolphins. Well, but um, but Nick, isn't the isn't the benefit that we're talking about so much with the number one seed not really even the buy? Like it's the it's the home field advantage, right? So the Chiefs would still be given that in that Both scenario, things, right? Though, it it is, but I, I think the home field advantage is the big reason why we wanted the Bills to get that number yeah. one seed, and there's, right? There's no yeah. way, there's no way around that. And yeah, they, they could, they could call him like co-number one seeds or something, or do like a neutral site or something. Yeah. Yeah. So like one thing that was getting floated around earliest was I saw like give like obviously the tie makes is the first thing that comes to mind but giving both teams a win on their record which i don't like the idea of giving anything to the record i, sure. I would much rather prefer yeah why not just give them record. wins and say yeah that's true that's yeah. true. I, I i i suggested they each possess the ball once in the game and one scored a touchdown one scored a field goal you could just yeah, do, go based on that i mean yeah. technically that is i mean it's unfair. It's like you basically played an overtime period. One team scored a touchdown. The other team played a field goal. So <laughs> obviously the Bills would have gone for it if they knew that that was going to be the circumstance. <laughs> right. But 
Yeah. But at least you have a result. At least you have a result to go based on. Um, or I've suggested that you have Joe Burrow and Josh Allen play a game of Madden against each other. Winner takes all. <laughs> there you go. Love the idea, but there's going to be a huge <laughs> asterisk no matter what. So how do we remove it? And and the thing is, I I mean we're obviously not going to solve it here, and we don't have decision making power. But you'd like to think that this is why we haven't heard um, anything yet. Is that the NFL office is sitting down doing the same thing, putting out all right. the options on the table, every single one, even if they're ridiculous, even if they're unfair. And you just try and find the least unfair, the least bad solution. Because I, I think we all agree that there is no perfect solution here. It's it's a terrible situation that nobody saw coming. And we have to find a pathway forward. I do think the best solution I've heard is what you suggested about adjusting wildcard weekend. Uh, because when it comes to three teams determining where they're going to be seated, it affects all the games of wildcard weekend from the AFC side. So like doing it to where it's wildcard weekend for the NFC and you still have the bills and Bengals, that's four games for the NFL to still have over a two day period. You could have two games Saturday, two games Sunday. So plenty of NFL coverage there. Then those NFC teams that had to play right away, get a, a rest period. Um, and you also give the bills and Bengals plenty of rest if they have to play us uh, the week right after in the, in their wildcard game, the two that would have to play in a wildcard game. Right. Um, so I, 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 I feel like if if week 18 results happen and you need that Bills Bengals game to decide seating, that's the approach they should take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, if yeah, but if, if the week 18 games play out and it wouldn't affect it at all, then just move, move on. Yeah, just move forward. Yeah, I 100 percent agree with you there. Uh, we'll move on from the from this topic. The last thing I wanted to say, my favorite suggestion that I've seen on the Internet that can be so fantastic at times is someone commented on a post about this saying, I think it needs to be Josh Allen and Joe Burrow in a triple threat match against The Undertaker. I think that's the best. <laughs> and then it's a picture of WWE stuff. I thought that was funny. But all right, we will move on to our next topic of conversation. And that is Money Mike feeling very happy coming into this episode of the podcast, episode 101 of Another Damn Sports Podcast, because the Giants, for the first time since 2016, will be going to the playoffs number six seed in the nfc after absolutely decimating the fighting jeff saturdays uh this past sunday 38 to 10 money mike give us your thoughts i know daniel jones is uh on his way most likely to a contract so is uh, saquon barkley looks like the future might be okay for the giants oh my gosh it was so exciting because i came into this week having the same nerves you're feeling about the Titans game coming up. And we'll talk about that in a bit, but I was just like, okay, the giants have a chance here to win and get into the playoffs and they're playing a bad team. Now this giants team over the last few years has let me down time and time again. So the whole time I'm thinking, what are they going to do to choke this away? How is it going to happen? And I said, what I really want is we're playing a bad team. People are questioning whether or not the Giants are really good enough to be a playoff team. I want us to go out there and kick their ass. If we kick their ass and really have a statement win and clinch our way in, it's going to be, it's going to one, feel really good, but two, just make a statement as this is why we belong. And they did that. They dominated the Colts uh, offensively and defensively. Um, I know that Thibodeau sacking Nick Foles and breaking his ribs and doing a snow angel right next to him while he's crying in pain was a really bad look and i think that that was really bad and i hope that they discipline him internally i think people are more angry about the sleep thing afterwards like he kind of doubled down yeah it was not a good look he he, he said afterwards he was not aware that he was injured um 
I mean, you can hear things. I'm sure you hear him aching in pain over there. Yeah. And you probably felt the trainers around him talking to him. So I don't know, but it, it, he, he's a player that has really, he came into the uh, season injured because he injured himself in the preseason. Um, so he was kind of slow when he got back and now he's really picking up and being really impactful for the giants defense. So it's exciting just to see him out there in terms yeah. of playing really well. Um, and then Daniel Jones came into this year with his back against the wall. Like he was really a prove it to us year why you deserve to be here. And he's not a quarterback that jumps off the page in terms of statistics, but he's really done a great job for the New York Giants this year. He's had uh, five or six uh, comeback drives, um, fourth quarter drives to go and win the ball game. Uh, in this particular game, he had two passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. He has 22 total touchdowns this year, um, 700 rushing yards. Um, and his quarterback rating has gone up 8% from what it was last year. His completion percentage is up 3%. I mean, he's not Josh Allen, but Brian Dable's done a similar job with Daniel Jones that he did with Josh Allen, which was he's turned down his turnovers. He's uh, running him uh, in the offense a lot more. Um, and so I love to see where this has gone. Daniel Jones has just elevated to a new level of play for him, and he's good enough to be the quarterback of the future, I think, for the New York Giants which I'm really excited about for him personally because he's always handled himself so well. Everyone talks about how hard he works. Everyone talks about how he's a great leader and great presence in the locker room. So you could see in that picture that you have there, Dable really happy for Daniel Jones. If you look at um, the giant sounds from the game that you can look up on YouTube, um, you know, he goes up to Daniel Jones multiple times. He goes, great effing job. You're playing a great, you're a great quarterback, this and that. Uh, Saquon Barkley loves him. Uh, it's just, it's just, it was just a good feel all around and really exciting. And really, I think the New York giants can make some, they can do some damage in the NFC playoffs. Don't sleep on the New York giants because they're playing great defensively. They're top five in the league. I think in red zone defense, um, their offense is starting to click really at the right time. And, uh, with the threat of Daniel Jones running the ball and passing, and then you got Saquon Barkley back there. It's just a huge threat and we're locked into play. Whoever's the three seed and it looks like it's going to be Minnesota. And when we played Minnesota on Christmas Eve, we turned the ball over three times and lost on a 61-yard field goal. That was a record breaker for that kicker. So I'm confident yeah. the Giants can go to Minnesota and beat the Vikings. I'm nervous that we could about the 49ers, but I don't think we have to worry about it because the 49ers win, we don't play them. Then yeah. they're playing Arizona, who sucks. So <laughs> I feel good about the Giants. I'm I'm, I'm ecstatic that we're going to be back in the playoffs. Um, and I just it, it right now you're happy to be a Giants fan, and uh, this will come a bit of, Drew, this will come a bit as a bit of a shock, but we Giants fans, we tend to live in the past a little bit, and so the conversations <laughs> came up about, like, should they play their starters this week, and uh, I, along with my Giants fans, like, yeah, back in 2007, we played our starters against the Patriots when it was no benefit to us, uh, and we played a tough game, and we rolled that momentum to the Super Bowl, um, so a lot of people are like, yeah, they got to start everybody because that's what the, the giants have to do that's what we did in the past and brian dable's like i don't care what happened in 2007 like we're gonna do what's best for our football team <laughs> yeah. if i if i was you guys i would sit saquon like anybody else sure i mean in reality this the giants roster doesn't seem to have a lot of names that like you said will pop off of the page but it seems like they're just so well coached and they're able to to make the right plays when it matters especially on defense it seems this year that it, it gives them a shot you know and the fact that you guys have been able to get your way into the playoffs, turn Daniel Jones into a quarterback that can seem to at least lead you guys to success in the future with a roster that isn't that great, at least on offense. Obviously, I, I, I'm pointing directly at the wide receiver room. That's basically what I'm saying. Sure. Um, sometimes when 
in, in the NFL, obviously, it is very difficult to find those guys that you can just guarantee that you're going to have success for the next 10 years, right? Like a Patrick Mahomes, like a Josh Allen, like a Joe Burrow. It's it's insanely hard for those guys. Every team in the NFL is looking to find those guys. But when you have a guy like Daniel Jones that can at least win, you know, like, like he can at least bring some success to your organization. And then who knows, they can get hot and make a run because that's usually what you need to do anyway. You got to get hot at the right time to win a Super Bowl in the NFL and be successful in the playoffs. He's the type of guy that could that can do that for you. So I I can totally understand why the Giants are going to sign him going forward. It's not going to be the most lucrative contract in the world, right? It's not going to break the market and it's not going to be Russell Wilson numbers, but it's going to be something yeah. that's 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 going to be good for the franchise going forward so you guys can build around him and get those better weapons for him to develop even more as he gets more comfortable with this Brian Dayball-led offense, you know, because this is the first year. And the fact that they've made this improvement this quickly is awesome like like that's that has to feel really good as a fan going forward if we go back on this podcast there you know i had said when both pat Shermer and joe judge came in that they you know they came in they said all the right things i was i was just being like that naive fan who just was so optimistic i wanted it to be good that i was like oh i like what these guys are saying this and that but then it quickly you know showed that those guys weren't the right fit and with brian dable and joe shane at gm it just felt different it felt like a cultural change was happening and the other exciting thing about watching this game in particular was how good they did in terms of putting the right players in place for this because you have Thibodeau for who was our you know number five pick this year you had uh, Bellinger who was our fourth round pick being impactful for the Giants Um, even though he got hurt and he's out for the season Wandale Robinson showed a lot of promise uh, in the games that he was able to play in Um, and so they Kenny Galladay was fantastic (laughs) <laughs> you know, well, Galladay was he's after that. He was before that. I know, so, I know. <laughs> but no, but, but Hodgins, they like, brought in from Buffalo. He just yeah. jumped right in. He's he has more touchdown receptions than almost anybody on the receiving core <laughs> already. <laughs> so, he's already made a great impact. He and Jones have such chemistry. You know, these guys that they've brought in, um, in terms of uh, uh, Wink Martindale for the de- defensive coordinator position. Um, you know, Mike Kafka, who nobody gives any credit to. Because everyone just thinks when the Giants are running their offensive scheme, like, oh, look at that play that Brian Dable called. Brian Dable's not calling the offense. Mike Kafka is. <laughs> right. But Dable gets the credit because he has the resume. So, again, I, I think that, look, when it comes to the NFC playoffs, obviously your focus is going to be on the Philadelphia Eagles, the San Francisco 49ers. I think, you know, I look at the NFL, both the AFC and the NFC in terms of tiers. Um, the tier, top tier are the teams that you can legit say are going to win the Super Bowl. In my opinion, there's five. There's the Eagles, there's the 49ers, there's the Bills, there's the Chiefs, and there's the Bengals. Those five teams are the top tier teams right now going into the playoffs. I say second tier are teams that you think could at least win a playoff game. Uh, I think Minnesota's in that category. I think the Cowboys are in that category. Um, I think that um, Jacksonville has the momentum that they could easily beat the Chargers or the Ravens um, or whoever comes out between the Steelers and the Patriots for that final spot. and then you have the bottom tier, which is teams that just made the playoffs. And I think a few weeks ago, I was going to say, after watching the Eagles just dismantle the Giants, I would say, yeah, the Giants are that bottom tier. They're a team that can make the playoffs because they did so well early on in the season, but they're they're most likely one and done. Unbiased opinion, I think they're not going to be one. I don't think they're one and done. I think they're a, t- a tier two team right now. And I'm sorry, given my delusional fandom and history, I've seen a Giants team that nobody expected to do well go on a run. So I am excited about that. I mean, if the giants were able to, I, I'm just playing the what if scenario. I think that they should play their guys against the Eagles because I think that they could 
test themselves against a really good team? And why just hand your hated rival the number one seed? Right. Why just hand Philadelphia, who's a very dangerous team, home field advantage throughout the NFC? So I think the Giants should play everybody. Because if you if you just sit Saquon, what does that say to the other guys in the team? Like, oh, you guys aren't valuable enough to... That's fair. To, yeah. you, you know, we, we want you guys to go out there and take the risk, but not this guy. Like, that just elevates him above the rest of the team. And nobody, even the player who's being elevated, doesn't want that. that that's that's a fair point. That. I never thought about so that. I, yeah. I, I think they should go out and compete and play um, and try to, and you know what? Most likely if Jalen Hurts is playing, we're not going to beat them, but we can measure ourselves against the Eagles if we see them a third time. There you and, go. And, and so like, you know, let's say they, they play the Eagles tough, win or lose, they play them tough. They at least have some confidence as long as they don't play really shitty. Um, <laughs> they play Minnesota in the first round, they beat Minnesota. And then we're most likely playing either Dallas um, Philadelphia or San Francisco. At that point, look, those we've already lost twice to Dallas, most likely going to lose twice to Philadelphia, um, unless Philadelphia doesn't have Jalen Hurts. Otherwise, I think the Giants can win. Um, or, or San Francisco. If the Giants somehow pull out that win and they're in the NFC Championship, hey, I'm just saying, the New York Giants have never you've lost seen it an before. NFC Championship game. You, you've seen it before, so I totally understand the prediction. It's good to have confidence in your team, and in the NFL playoffs, you never know what's going to happen. You never know. All it all it takes is to get in the dance, and that and no one knows that better than Giants fans. That's why everybody's so excited. Like, because once you get back there, and none of the players on this Giants team, I can promise you, are taking a boat trip. So we're gonna be good to go. <laughs> there you go. That that's great to hear, Nick. I'll have you hop in here very quickly. Are you happy for Money Mike, or are you just uh, are you happy for Money Mike and for Brian Dable, you know, to be successful in his next venture following his offensive coordinator stint with the Buffalo Bills? I think we all kind of. You know, unanimously agreed that the NFC was going to be down this year, and and it's played out that way for sure. Um, you know, they, it's hard. They they're having a hard time filling out playoff teams, and you know, there's a whole division in the NFC that has struggled just to create one winning team. So it's it's good for the Giants for sure that they're able to, you know, become one of the relevant teams. Um, in a in a year where it's especially embarrassing to be irrelevant in that division or in that conference. Hey, um, to be and, fair, the AFC is in the same boat. The AFC South is just as bad record wise as the NFC South. Yeah. So when you guys were talking about <laughs> tiers, I was specifically thinking about the Bucks and Titans, and I was like, they they get yeah. a tier to themselves, and that's assuming that the Titans, you know, c- could find a way in. If if it's the Jaguars, I think momentum definitely creates, yeah. you know, gives them a chance. Five to straight win. wins coming into the into the playoffs. Yeah. And it goes without saying that if the Patriots make the playoffs, they're in that same bottom tier. They have <laughs> yeah. zero chance of beating anybody in the playoffs. I, I say that right now for the record. Um, 100%. If they somehow get in, they're going to get knocked out by whoever they play, whether it's the the Bills, the Chiefs, or the. Uh, yeah, but I do agree yeah, that they have a chance. Too. They have a probably better chance than they've ever had at beating at beating the Bills this week. I would not be surprised at all if the Bills are just completely still, like zombie faced about, about playing football. So they might get in, but if they do, I give them a zero percent chance. So you know they they're in a tier of them, and I don't think the, I hate the Bucks are my new. Packers, the Packers, maybe I was wrong about. Maybe they, they can, you know, make a run momentum yeah. in a similar way that the Jags are. I don't think the Bucks are any good whatsoever. But to, to go back to the Giants, I think it's I'm glad that they finally made a bad team look bad in the way that they were supposed to. And I agree that regardless of what the Eagles do this week, 
this game was not supposed to matter, and now it does because the Eagles have shit the bed two weeks in a row. <laughs> and I don't care if you don't have your quarterback. You're the supposed to be the best team in the NFL, let alone you know the NFC, and you completely shit the bed last week against the Saints. They looked terrible against the Saints. I was, telling, I was telling Chris, man, that is what you get with Gardner Minshew. Like he he will look oh, fantastic. No, dude, he he looks fantastic a couple games, and then he'll just turn into the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. And, and that that's he what happened really to Jacksonville. Good. Yeah, the first week the first week he played, I know they lost, but he looked good. Like, he uses magic and voodoo to draw you in, and then he just fucking rips your heart out. That's that's how it goes with Gardner Minshew. Dalton, the better looking quarterback <laughs> in the game, you know you screwed up big time. Yeah, so I think that the Giants should be motivated. Like, I, I mean, I think if any reasonable NFL fan would say the Giants have a very low chance of going to the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl, um, so why not like treat this game <laughs> like a playoff game? You know, right? Yeah, go out and beat them. Uh, I, yeah. I hope yeah. they try to, but but there obviously is like the risk of injuries. And if if there are the one thing I will say if, is is if there are guys who have been playing through injuries that could potentially gain some sort of rest, you know, rest yeah. recovery advantage by getting an extra week off, they won't play. I, I don't care like if this game could potentially mean something or not. Whether it's Lyman, whether it's you know whoever it is, I don't know what the Giants' injury situation is right now, but I I bet you anything that they just won't play those guys um, and everybody else will play. That's how the bills have treated it in recent years. Um, they just, yeah. Anybody who's previously injured or, or has some sort of injury designation won't play, but everybody else will until the game is out of hand. If it gets out of hand, there are three ways to, to handle it. One is completely bench all your starters and give them a, a week off. Two is you treat it like a preseason game where you have them play for like the first quarter, maybe the first half, just so they stay loose. Um, or you just play everybody. Um, just me personally, I want them to play everybody because I'd like, I would, like I said, I would love to have them either use this as a measuring stick. So if they don't win, they at least compete with the Eagles um, with, and that is in the mindset of Jalen Hurts playing. Um, if you find out Jalen Hurts isn't playing, I think I, I comp- take a completely different approach. I say, oh, maybe you should rest everybody because <laughs> it's meaningless. But I mean, if Jalen Hurts is playing and you're getting really the best of the Eagles that you can, I say play your guys. And if you beat them, that just is a huge momentum. You went into Philadelphia and you beat the Eagles. You you took away the number one seed from them. And now you're going to go play most likely Minnesota and you can carry that with you. I think or, they do that regardless of if he plays or not, I think – I don't think everybody plays. Like I said, I think if there's a guy who's uh, might any other week play through an injury, they won't just because it's it, at the end of the day, it is a meaningless game for the giants, but yeah. I, and I know that. And again, I, I hate to, to repeat myself, um, but really it, it's so true. Um, in 2007, when the giants went on that run and they beat the undefeated Patriots in the super bowl in week 17, back then they had 17 weeks. Um, the, the Giants were locked in their playoff spot like they are now. They, playing their starters against the Patriots or winning that game or losing that game was not going to affect them at all. But the Patriots were 15-0. and 0. The Giants decided to play their players. And Michael Strahan said afterwards, he's like, you know, the Patriots, they were playing for a lot. For us, we were playing for nothing. And you stood on the sidelines looking at the other team, and you thought, that's the best team in the NFL. They've beaten everybody. We almost beat them. We are this close. If we just make a few adjustments, we can beat them down the line. Yeah. And we saw how that played out. So every team is different. Every situation is different. I can tell you that this Giants team 
is a very confident bunch and they believe they can beat anybody. There you go. Um, so by resting everybody that it's not going to affect their confidence or their momentum, but I don't know. I, I, I just, I, I, I don't like the fact that we would just hand off the number one seed to the Eagles. That's what sickens me about resting everybody. Is that <laughs> yeah. are we going to just hand this? now what would be hilarious is if we did rest everybody and Hertz couldn't go. And we still won. <laughs> that, would be, <laughs> that, would, that would be. Tyrod Taylor left the Giants to a win with our Tyron backup. Tyrod Taylor might be better than Daniel Jones. I mean, maybe it's no, a, maybe it's a no, not. <laughs> not, not at this point. I in his career. Not, yeah, he came in. He came in when Jones got hurt one game and played like crap. So <laughs> yeah, no, and, and obviously going back to those three scenarios you brought up, Mike, we're going to move on here. Uh, one of those scenarios yeah. did actually happen with the Jacksonville Jaguars and uh, Houston Texans this past Sunday. Coming into this game, it was a very rare situation where it wasn't the last game of the season, but the second to last game of the season for the Jaguars didn't really matter all that much. It, it mattered because it kept their wild card chances alive, and it mattered because we are uh, now keeping our lead in the AFC South coming into the Week 18 matchup with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, in this game, we absolutely destroyed the Texans just like the Giants destroyed the Colts. 31-3 was the final score. Uh, Trevor Lawrence didn't really have to too, do too much, threw for 152 yards. He did end up throwing a pick. Travis Etienne had a hell of a day with just nine carries, nine carries for 108 yards, and a beautiful 62-yard rushing touchdown um, that you can see here with this picture. Just an absolute masterclass performance by this Jacksonville Jaguars team, a situation that I don't think I've experienced very often as a Jaguars fan where I was watching a game, saw them get a huge lead early, and then I just got kind of bored. I was like, all right, well, I, I guess we won this game. Let's move on. Um, obviously, with the impending Titans matchup I and just wanting to get to that, that's kind of what drove into the board. I'm like, I'm just like, okay, let, let, let's let's get this W and move on. But it was, a, it was a great feeling to see them get this W, beat uh, the Houston Texans for the first time in nine tries. Um, another another streak that was broken. That This has been the year of Jacksonville Jaguars, break, this team breaking very sad streaks that this franchise has had for a long time. First, uh, we, when we beat the Cowboys, that was the first time we beat an NFC team in 20 tries. Um, first road win in, in, uh, in a long time. And I think it was at, in maybe three years. What was that win, uh, earlier this season against the uh, LA chargers. So this is a year of breaking streaks. This is a year of Doug Peterson making his case for coach of the year which I think there is a case. I don't think he's going to win it. But is if we win on Saturday, he has a true case just because of how bad the Jaguars organization was when he first inherited it. And to turn around from a 2-6 and six start, win six of the last eight, end up 8-8 eight and eight going into the final week of the season in a game that they're heavily favored to beat the Tennessee Titans, uh, almost seven points, uh, is something that has been very fun to watch, and I am very excited to go to... TIA backfield to watch them hopefully put their stamp on the season and move on to the playoffs where things get can get really exciting um so kudos to my jags any thoughts from you guys mike well everything everything is lining up for the jags to win this game <laughs> and i know that's what scares you is what yeah. makes you nervous because the titans have lost six straight games the titans decided to rest their players last week just kind of threw the Cowboys game away because they're like, this doesn't matter. Um, and they lost and they're going to Jacksonville and Jacksonville, as you point out to me, drew in a private chat that they Jags have won their last eight, their eight. No. Yeah. In the last game of the season when they play at home. Mm -hmm. And 
So the Jaguars have all the momentum. They have the better team. Dude, if we lose to Josh Dobbs, not to win. Josh Dobbs in his second career start. If we lose to Josh Dobbs in his second career start, the only way that's going to happen is if Derrick Henry runs all over us. So we just have to stop Derrick Henry and we should be okay. But yeah, and and, yeah. and and the fact that you guys have already beaten them once will give you the confidence there too. It's tough to beat a team twice in one season, but it's it's certainly possible and it happens all the time. Yeah. Um and I'm just glad that you don't have to wait until Sunday for this. It's the Saturday night game. Like it's just it's in a prime time spot. But I did tell you when we when you were uncertain about when this game was going to be, I said, "Look, more than likely because I was like I was thinking, okay, the Jags Titans game is the only game in week 18 that doesn't need the result of another game to really impact their seeding of any kind. Like there's nothing that could be done. It's for a division. I was like, so you would think that that would be the game they put on Sunday night football, but then the Packers won. And I was like, they're going to give that Sunday night football game to the green Bay Packers. And you you have proof that I said this because they have a hall of fame quarterback and a premier NFL franchise. Mm -hmm. Because really the premier NFL franchises are the Packers, 49ers, Dolphins, Cowboys, Patriots, you know, Giants, yeah. Patriots, you know, yeah. those are the teams that really get the benefit of the doubt when it comes to primetime selection. Yeah. Um, because, because, sorry, Nick, the Buffalo Bills don't get primetime games if they don't have Josh Allen and aren't a good team. Like, they just don't. They're Buffalo. <laughs> uh, it's, it's the same with Jackson. In this scenario. It's the same with Jackson. I was glad yeah. they got a primetime spot. Yeah, I was happy to. Obviously, the scenario, too, is, I mean, you also have Tennessee, who is starting a practice squad QB. So it's like, it, it's not yeah. it's not a very intriguing matchup. Um, But... Nick, but Mike Vrabel's a good coach. If there's, a, yeah. if there, you know, here's the thing. And, and Tennessee has tortured the Jags for years. Yeah. And it's kind of, it makes me think of those, these conversations we had about the Packers Vikings with Steve, where he's just like, God, they've always tormented the Vikings. They always somehow come around. And I'm like, Oh, cause that, it, that does scare me. But like, like I told you, I was nervous all week last week. Cause I was like, we're playing a bad team. We should kill them. But there's that doubt in your mind from your previous experience that they're just going to choke it away or piss it away. Yeah. That that's exactly and I think the how Jags I'm feeling. Are gonna do, I, I think the Jags are going to do exactly what the Giants did. I think they're going to not only beat them, I think they're going to blow them out. That's what I think is going to happen. If they score quick, then Derrick Henry's taken out of the game, and Josh Dobbs is forced to throw the ball. That that's that's the hope that this game starts out that way. Nick, what are your thoughts on this very fun and exciting AFC South situation? I actually see it very similar to to this uh, um, Giants Eagles discussion. Um, the two teams couldn't be further on the momentum spectrum, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, in this analogy, the the Jaguars are the Giants, and you know, the 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 Eagles are the or the Titans are the Eagles. They're both like having quarterback issues. I mean, obviously, the biggest difference is the the competitive disparity between the Giants and Eagles is it just roster wise is is still pretty wide. Um, but the, this Jaguars. Titans we've been saying since the beginning of the season that it's not that big of of a disparity between the roster talent on these two teams I I would I would argue that now the Jaguars are by far the most talented roster in the AFC South and it's not even close but like I I would say that right now easily especially because because Trevor Lawrence is playing the way he is so in their skill positions are way better too yeah I mean, the Jaguars actually went out of their way to sign some guys, especially mm-hmm. in the receiver room, especially bringing ETN back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, by the way, if you're not wearing your ETN jersey this this weekend, you're wrong. I will be. Yeah, I'm gonna give my yeah. brother the the classic MJD jersey. I'll wear the the ETN jersey. Yeah, but so, so I'm glad like Bortles jersey. 
<laughs> that thing's dirty. I'm not giving that to him. <laughs> In more ways than one. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad that the Jags played their played their guys against the Texans because the Texans are a team that's been surprising people the last few weeks, and the Jaguars just came out and stomped them this week. Their run so, ended. You know, yeah. Momentum is a real thing. So you don't want to play, you don't want to screw around with that. And I don't think the Giants should either. I think they should come out, play their best game. And if it gets out of hand, then sure, like wave the white flag. We'll hopefully see it in the playoffs. But um, when, when you got to stomp a team while they're down, um, which is why yeah. I was trying to hype the Vikings up to do to the Packers last week, which maybe we'll talk about. Well, after that. hey, that's the perfect segue, Nick. Go ahead. Down. The Packers weren't <laughs> down. They were up. <laughs> Go ahead, Nick. You, you can take this. Yeah, give us your thoughts so, on the Vikings. Yeah. Momentum is a real thing. And so the Packers are the team I've been wanting to die, but clearly their momentum has been more real than I've been willing to give credit for. And the and the, the Vikings' propensity to be absolute frauds is also more real than everybody else has been willing to give credit to. Because I've been saying it for a long time. I've been stomping the table that the Vikings are not a good football team. They just have a really good couple players, not including Kirk Cousins. I don't care when he's playing. He's not a top-tier quarterback in the NFL. He is the equivalent of Daniel Jones in my mind. They are decent, sufficient. I don't know. They're white bread. We've said this before. They are white bread. <laughs> Daniel Jones, at least Daniel Jones can run the ball every now and then. Like he looked Yeah, good. 700 rushing bread. yards. That's a lot of rushing yards. I just don't understand how this team can go from can be either 100 or zero and pretty much nowhere in between. And like sometimes even in the same game, clearly we've seen that they can go from zero to 100, but there's no in between. I mean, Justin Jefferson had zero catches for zero yards. So throw away the MVP conversation. I don't care. Well, no, he had one. I'm pretty sure he had one. He had one for 15, I think. Yeah, you got to get it. Are you sure? Did he have a catch? I thought he did. Uh, let, let me let me double check. Jefferson, he had, he had a couple, but it, it was it was not enough for Geno to do anything against about it. <laughs> yeah, one catch for fifteen this, yards. Yep. Because of this game, solely this game, <laughs> throw away everything we said about Justin Jefferson in the MVP conversation, because clearly it did not make even it didn't even make the Vikings competitive. Like. Yeah. They looked terrible. They looked like they were playing backups. And, th- and that's kind of the argument of the QB versus any other position with the MVP, right? Is as lo- If the QB is playing well, you have a chance to win. It No no ifs, ands, or buts. Your wide receiver could be playing like crap. Your running back could be playing like crap. As long as your QB is playing well, you have a chance to win. Whereas... It looked like they it, just quit to yeah, me. It's it so confusing. Right. And if a QB... Yeah. Go ahead, Mike. Well, it's just the the Green Bay Packers right now have found their stride at the right time. Like, yeah, they were four and eight, but literally everything they needed to happen around them has happened. Um, and they caught a Vikings team that, look, either the Vikings are going to beat you in a close game or you're going to beat the crap out of the Vikings. So yeah. that's just kind of how they've been this year. And I think that playing in the cold weather really favored the Green Bay Packers. Um, and the fact that the Green Bay Packers have a home game next week, uh, I don't see how the Green Bay Packers don't get in because they've somehow managed to be in a position where they win, they're in. doesn't matter what happens in the Seattle game. Uh, it doesn't have, Washington's out of it. Um, so 
it's just to me it's it's insane that they've done it but i also you can't ever count out players like aaron Rodgers. that's why you couldn't count out the tampa bay buccaneers because they did have tom brady like you know it's just the teams that like nick said it's a team that you were all hoping would die i was certainly there too i was like oh just you know get somebody else in there uh but they just found a way now uh i am hoping that the rams beat seattle so that it becomes a win and in for both Detroit and Green Bay. Because if Seattle wins, Detroit is out of it from that standpoint. Now, Dan Campbell's going to have those guys play to be spoiler anyway. Like, they're going to be playing hard no matter what. But it's going to be so much more exciting knowing that if you are if you win, you're in. And I am, if that does happen, I am so pulling for the Lions to be the team that gets the spot instead. Yeah. Even I, though the Giants beat Bay and lost to I'm in the position of thinking that if the Giants somehow were to go on a run, we wouldn't see the Packers or the Lions because I feel like if the Packers pull this off and yeah. get in, good kudos. It would be a long shot. Yeah. They're more than likely playing San Francisco, and Aaron Rodgers has stunk against the 49ers <laughs> every playoff game he's played against them. They've beaten them every single time. Right. So, yeah, and that there's there's basically the making never any ch- yeah, and that there's basically never any chance for wild card teams to meet in the playoffs unless some crazy things happen. But uh, per Ari Mirov on Twitter, Lions head coach Dan Campbell on potentially knowing they're eliminated before kickoff on Sunday night. There's one objective, and that's winning this game. It's us or it's nobody. The intensity of this game will be like a playoff game. That's pretty awesome. Like that, That is a great quote right there because you know Dan Campbell is coming for the Packers no matter what the situation is. But um, just very quickly before we move on here, obviously I know that the fraud talk has been stronger than it's ever been uh so far this season i still have minnesota as my super bowl pick from the nfc they're just gonna have to win some they're they're just gonna have to win some close games every single week because it's it's gonna be it's gonna be heart racing every single week for steve but um yeah not not a not a good look to come out and lose 41 to 17 to a packers team that hasn't really been able to put up that many points so far this season so it's a different packers team but uh, i'm sure steve's frustrated i'm sure listening to it he is frustrated hopefully Hopefully they're able to turn it around, uh, get a win in this last week of the season against the Bears and Nathan Peterman leading them at quarterback. Um, it'll be an interesting <laughs> thing to watch. Hopefully that'll give them some momentum coming into the NFC side of the he's, playoffs. He's probably at home like, why couldn't they do this against the Giants last week? <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. But moving on to our next topic of conversation, our friend Ian Poseidon is in the chat. Panthers fan. And he's probably very sad to see this picture as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeated the Carolina Panthers 30 to 24 um, in a game where the Panthers were in full control for most of the game. Uh, But Tom Brady was able to find his mojo at a time where he absolutely had to, uh, as he was able to connect with three touchdowns to Mike Evans to be able to bring them ahead late in the game. And Sam Darnold, unfortunately, just unfortunately couldn't hold on to the ball. He made some uh, crucial mistakes, and they weren't able to make the comeback late in the game. So, Nick, as you said, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they have found themselves into the playoffs. Tom Brady is feeling himself more than he has throughout the entire season. So I'm sure you're excited to, to watch him play in uh, some very important football games in the, in the coming month. Both of these teams stink. That's all I have to say. That is it. <laughs> it was incredibly frustrating to, to watch the Panthers not pull this out. I was obviously rooting for them. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't care. The Bucks stink. <laughs> Folks, 
folks, there, I, for those of you that uh, are Marvel fans and believe in the multiverse, there is a universe out there where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers find their stride this year and go on to win. And the Nick Padula in that universe is saying, if the Bills didn't get screwed out of the number one seed, we would have beat the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. But no, they had to play Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> the, Bucs, the Bucs are not going to the Super Bowl. They have a zero percent. No, I don't, I don't think they're going to the Super Bowl, but I will say this. I hope as a Giants fan, whoever they play, because they're either playing Philadelphia or Dallas, I hope they knock out whoever is their opponent, because I think that would be absolutely hilarious, especially if it was the Cowboys. Because Dallas is that team that always thinks they're going to do so great once they get to the playoffs, and then for them to get knocked out by a team that has a losing record or a 9-8 yeah. and record, barely won their division, would just be so comical. As a guy who hates the Philadelphia Eagles, I would especially love it if they knocked out the Eagles too, because the Eagles were cruising on cruise control to the, be the number one seed and then just pissed it away and fell to the five seed and then get knocked out by Tom Brady for a second year in a row. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, it, it, both, both scenarios. I mean, I, I, I said Dallas would be a little funnier and I think it would be, but both scenarios bring me so much joy. Even if the yeah. giants got knocked out too, it would still bring me so much joy. For the I, giants fan, you have to root for chaos. I mean, and it's so easy to see chaos possibly unfold with all this shit going on. Yeah, a perfect Jets scenario for me as a Giants fan is we beat the Vikings next week uh, in the wild card game, and somehow Green Bay finds a way to knock off San Francisco. Oh yeah, then you guys Tampa would have a great shot. Yeah, and then Tampa Bay wins because San, then San I feel Francisco like we have a really good chance. Yeah, San Francisco is the favorite. Yeah, at the I think so. Like, I think San Francisco is yeah. better than Philadelphia, even if even with mm. Jalen Hurts. Even with Jalen Hurts, I know I know the Raiders just played him close with Jarrett Stidham, but I, I think that the 49ers have the best roster in the NFC. Yeah. They have the best defense. Easily. They have once Debo Samuel comes back, they have the most electrifying offense. Even though Brock Purdy is their quarterback, he's played well enough to win games. Mm-hmm. Um and teams still don't have enough tape on him yet to realize what he likes and what he doesn't like. So he's on that like no history momentum right now. Now it, it, he might next year if he's a quarterback somewhere. Like, cause it, if the 49ers go back to, um, uh, God, why is Lance. his name escaping? Garoppolo, uh-huh. Jimmy, Jimmy Trey G. Lance. No, Trey Lance. Oh, they go back oh, okay. to Trey Lance after all this and somebody overpays for Brock Purdy. Um, and then he's like just an average guy. I could see that happening. Oh but yeah. Right now there's no tape on him. So he's able to just play with the players around him. Um, so yeah, I definitely think the 49ers are the favorite in the NFC for sure. And I think that they could challenge anybody that came out of the AFC, whether it's Buffalo, Kansas oh, yeah. City, or I don't know if they necessarily win, but I think that they would easily challenge that. I think they would play KC a lot tougher than the first time they played this season, for sure. Um, I, I think yeah. it'd be a lot closer because I know they got destroyed by KC uh, this season, yeah. but um, I definitely think the 49ers are the favorite in on the NFC side, even after this game, as we were just talking about between them and the Raiders, where they had to pull it out in overtime. Uh, Jared Stidham finally showing uh, a little, uh, finally making a mistake in the overtime period of this game and throwing a pick. Um, but Jared Stidham played his ass off. I don't have the stats up currently, but it's just so crazy to see going up against one of the best, one of the best defenses in the NFL, and he's able to take this Raiders team that has been much maligned throughout the entire season and make it an absolute barn burner of a game. Like that, that was just a wild thing. Jared Stidham stats. 365 yards passing, three touchdowns with two picks. Uh, so obviously a couple mistakes here. But maybe it was his uh, familiarity with Josh McDaniels, you know? Like he was able to kind of just be slotted in and he knows the offense really well and he was able able to make some plays and get the ball to Devontae Adams because when you have Devontae Adams, dude, that will just 
elevate your game to a, a new level, right, Nick? Um, I can't help but remember a certain um, Alex Dean interview. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, he said he was the next Tom Brady. Right? Stidham would be an MVP candidate or something yeah. for the Patriots. <laughs> yeah. um, and how, how, I mean, when the Patriots throw a quarterback away, you know that the guy's not good. And then he comes out and he looks like freaking the second coming of, I don't even know, like, the Raiders, we thought, were, we thought that we, we won't go that far. <laughs> we thought the Raiders were going to be good coming into this year, and obviously, like, they've underwhelmed. And so maybe it's just like the the new coach effect um, with the new quarterback. But it was shocking, absolutely shocking to see Jarrett Stidham come out of nowhere. Like, I bet you there's a lot of people out there who didn't even know he was on the Raiders and <laughs> come out and yeah, there very go. nearly very nearly beat the 49ers. Um, but I think it just goes to show, like, the Niners, I agree, have the best roster in the NFC, but they still don't have a quarterback. I mean, Brock Purdy has shown glimpses, but he's still he's still Brock Purdy. Like, he's not, you know, just give somebody, like, a top-tier quarterback designation. I'm not saying that he's not capable. I mean, he's, he's looked pretty good when he's looked good, but the NFC is a total toss-up to me because of all this quarterback situations and issues yeah. if Jalen Hurts comes back and he's the guy I actually give the edge to the Eagles just because of that it's a quarterback driven league um and, and the Niners are uh are a scary team though with with all of their skill position guys and the defense that they have uh, I was shocked that this game was competitive like, yeah. like even a little bit competitive if you were to tell me that one of the games between the Vikings Packers and the Raiders 49ers would be a dud and the other would be super competitive. I would have gotten it wrong. Oh yeah. And I oh, think yeah, anybody would have. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, you're so right too with, with your review of the, the quarterback situation, because whenever we, we and anybody in the NFL media talks about the elite quarterbacks, you know, it's always AFC guys, right? It's always Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, I guess now Trevor Lawrence, Lamar Jackson. Like, it's like, it's like guys that, are all on one side. It's so skewed to the AFC. The NFC has some work to do. They want to catch up. They have the two old goats. They have Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, but they're only going to be around for so long, right, Money Mike? Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> who knows when Tom Brady? Now that Tom Brady doesn't have Giselle, uh, uh telling him like, "Hey, t- retire, this retire. Year, retire this year. He's free. He's a free man." So yeah. <laughs> he's going to be playing. I think. Uh, I think he's done playing for the Buccaneers after this year, but he's going to play future uh, Raider somewhere right? next year. I think so. But Aaron Rodgers is still going to be a pet. Yeah. Well, so, no. but yeah, please no. I, I, I do have a, a question, Drew. It wasn't on our pre-show lineup, but I want to ask, cause I heard of this talking about on uh, ESPN get up this morning that um, if Lamar Jackson had a, a guaranteed contract right now, he'd be playing at his status that he feels right now. But people think that are speculating that, He's not playing because he's not 100%, and he doesn't want to risk getting hurt to where he doesn't get his money. Now, do you like that? Do you agree with that, like that Lamar Jackson's taking it upon himself to do that right now? Because he's basically saying to – I think you're saying to your team, like, look, I know you guys have all worked hard to get to this point where potentially, you know, we're, uh, we're, a play- we're definitely a playoff team, but we potentially have a chance to win the division, but I'm going to put myself above that right now because I want to get paid. You know, what do you guys think of that? that, I, that... I, I honestly, you know – that, that's I'd say if fair. you're going to hold out and not play, wait till like the the end of this season and into the beginning of next year. But don't, right? At this point, hold yourself out. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's not a good look if you want to look at it from a teammate standpoint. You're like you said, you're obviously kind of screwing over the guys that you play with. But I mean, from a selfish, what's best for you standpoint, makes perfect sense. Like, why why risk yourself, put your neck out for a team that refused to pay you and treat you the way that you're worth? Like Lamar Jackson literally is that team. Like like that that roster is not good. Like if you watch that offense, it's absolutely. Pew- uh, putrid with Tyler Hunt. Don't get me wrong. I, like, <laughs> I think he should get paid. I think the Ravens right. should pay him. I just, yeah. I just don't like the approach because I, I, and also he's trying to get more money than Watson got from Cleveland, uh, and he wants it all guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Um, he's saying I've done more than Watson, which he has. But at the same time, if I'm Baltimore, it's like, well, I didn't pay that guy. Cleveland did. Why are you holding right. me accountable for a stupid decision that Cleveland made? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's fair too. But I, I just, I 100, I would probably do, like most people would probably do the same if you're in his shoes like if you have if you're staring at potentially 250 million dollars you're gonna do the same thing as much as it sucks to to hurt your teammates most people are gonna do the same thing i don't know if you agree nick i don't i think more players on his team and around the nfl um they can relate to to his situation more than you think because you know, and this is something that's gotten talked about a little bit, but not that much. And it's kind of full circle, bringing us back around to DeMar Hamlin. Uh, DeMar Hamlin's on a rookie contract right now, too. And there's a significant chance right now. I mean, even if the guy survives, you know, hopefully he does. Um, he may never play another down in the NFL ever again and may never collect another NFL paycheck ever again because he's on a rookie deal. Um, and so is Lamar Jackson. So... Oh, you didn't give him money. You didn't guarantee anything to him. Why would he go out of his way to come risk the rest of his career? You know, maybe he comes out and has an RG3 type injury and he's done for potentially his whole career if something like that happens and he has nothing guaranteed from his team. So I think there's more players out there like I kind of uh, see his situation. I, I don't disagree if he's actually holding himself out. The worse the Bengals look, or the Bengals, the worse the Ravens look now, the better, you know, Lamar's chances are. Which they look terrible, paid. man. Their defense looks good, but their offense just looks fucking terrible. Yeah, and and the thing about <laughs> that the Bills Bengals game not being played is that they don't really know if that game doesn't get played, and for whatever, like the Bills and Bengals just have one less game than everybody else. Then even if the Ravens beat the Bengals in Week 18, the Bengals still win the division based on percentage. So there's a, there's a lot in play right now. And and so to me, that makes it, if this game was definitely for the division and Lamar was just holding out because of these reasons, I think there would have been a really good chance you'd see him play. But right now with there being uncertainty that this game is even for the division um, because of the Bills-Bengals situation, I think Lamar sits out again. Um, and honestly, like, I don't blame him at all. I, I think... The Ravens have made a severe miscalculation by not paying this guy. And, you know, Mike, I'm sure you followed a little bit about the Red Sox not paying their guys. I I think that might change a little bit with Rafael Devers. Apparently getting – Right now, as we're talking about it. (laughs) One guy, the one guy they might pay. But if you don't pay your guys and you don't guarantee them anything, you can't blame them for holding out when they're injured. What's their incentive? What is their incentive? Um, so yeah, that's that's how I see it. I think you got to look at the player. You got to look at the individual. 
Um, this is a career that they've made. They've foregone going to college, getting a degree, creating, gaining a skill that can make them money outside of um, some of these guys aren't even financially literate. Like they don't even know what to do with their money, but they know how to play football. So I'm not saying Lamar Jackson's one of those guys, but if he could go out there and risk ever getting an NFL paycheck again, I don't blame him for sitting out. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough situation. Cause, cause you're right, Mike, it does suck for the rest of the Ravens players, but it makes sense from, from Nick's standpoint as well, but we'll, we'll move on here. Uh, that was like a solid topic of conversation. Both of these quarterbacks are currently in the playoff uh, picture. Uh, if the Steelers win um, this upcoming matchup against the Browns, then they yeah, you should have just you should have just posed it the same way you have all season. <laughs> like the, the, the Steelers need help if they win. They they're not. It's not a win and end situation for them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But but they do need, they the, need win. the Patriots to lose, and they need the the, Do- the, the Dolphins, Dolphins to, lose, to lose. Right. To the Jets. So yep. There's a couple scenarios where Kenny Pickett can get himself into the playoffs with those small hands. So good for him. And obviously, as we've been talking about, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are in the spot to potentially make the playoffs as well, which will make our co-hosts, Steve, the Oracle, Den Blake are very sad. Very quickly, we've talked ad nauseum about the current playoff picture, so we still won't stay on this for too long. Um, we talked a lot about how the fact that Kansas City is the number one seed right now. The Bills-Bengals game needs to be decided in some way or fashion uh, so that we can solidify what the seeding is going to be. We talked about what some of the good options are for getting that game played, and we will see what happens there. Um, in terms of the, the wild cards, uh, it's really just the last wild card, uh, for both, um, both conferences now that that are going to be contested for, uh, well, I guess Los Angeles, the, the fifth and sixth seed in the AFC could change as well. Um, but that seventh seed in the AFC, uh, who do you think is going to get, I want to get your guys' predictions. We'll start with money, Mike. Who do you think is going to get that seventh seed? Okay. So before what we saw on Monday night. I was very confident that both the Patriots and the Dolphins would lose because the Dolphins are just derailing right now, and the Jets have a pretty good defense. Um, and I feel like the Jets are still going to play hard, even though they are, are out of it. Um, and so I thought the Jets could beat Miami. And I, I know from seeing the Bills' last few matchups against the Patriots can easily beat New England. Um, and I thought Pittsburgh could beat Cleveland at home. So I was like, okay, Pittsburgh's winning that seventh spot. Now I'm leaning more towards New England getting it because New England, all they have to do is win. And they're playing a Bills team that is zapped of any emotional emotional play right now. Like, no one could blame the Bills for not being ready to play on Sunday. But the Patriots have, you know, Palpatine, Bill Belichick as their head coach. Like, he's there for business, and he's going to just – he's not going to show the Bills any mercy. Right. Um, and he's not going to encourage his players to show them any mercy. So I predict that the New England Patriots will get that seventh seed and then have a – uh, a quick, quick playoff trip and uh, head back home to Foxborough. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. that w- that would be interesting because if it if everything stands as they do today, the Bills would be playing New England in the first round of the playoffs at Orchard Park once again for the second year in a row. Nick, do you think that's what's going to happen here, or do you think the Steelers could pull it out? Do you think somehow with Sky- Skylar Thompson starting for the Dolphins, they can pull out that seventh seed? What are your thoughts? My gut definitely says that the Dolphins have the best roster of those teams. Um, obviously, their momentum is Non-existent. as bad as any of the other teams <laughs> that we've talked about. Um, I think I think that's still kind of where I stand, but obviously this, this X factor of the, the Bills and what they choose to do, 
Um, it's so strange, um, especially not knowing right now if that Bills-Bengals game will ever actually get played. So it's, it's interesting that the Bills could just decide that they don't care about the one seed and that they don't care about this Patriots game. And so be it. If we get the Patriots again, then we'll turn on and we'll just destroy them like we always do in the last two years or so. Um, <laughs> for the hurricane game. We want to talk about the hurricane game. Um, I don't know. I, it's a weird, weird scenario. Um, you know, if I had to bet, which I definitely wouldn't, but if I had to, I would bet the Dolphins in this case just because the Jets are terrible right now. I don't care how good their defense is. They're terrible. They're worse than the, the Dolphins. And um, it would take a miracle for the Patriots to even beat, like, the Bills B team. The Patriots are bad. Like, all three of those teams right now are bad. Which would you rather play, the the Dolphins led by Skylar Thompson or the Patriots? Patriots. Dolphins have a better roster. About, so, would you say you're least likely? Who would you rather play, the Dolphins or the Steelers? Um, uh, prob- I would probably still – I don't want to play the Dolphins a third time. I, they, their skill – Waddle and Hill alone is enough reason to not want to Dude, play. Dude, you guys would Dolphins. destroy them if, if Skyler's – Yeah, I'm not worried about that. They're, they're like, I'm not worried yeah. about any of those teams <laughs> yeah. right now. But, um, yeah. I, I think it's probably going to be the Dolphins who end up in there. But if they lose to the Jets, they stank. Um, so is it is it the case that if the Bills beat the Patriots – Dolphins beat the or the Jets beat the Dolphins and the Steelers beat the Browns. The Steelers are in. Is that is no? That it would be Jets or the Patriots are in, or the, the or the Jags if they lose to Tennessee. If that happens, then the Jags get it. If all three really? of those teams, yeah, that that's the scenario. So the Jags do have a very far off wild card chance, and it's if the Jets win, uh, the Browns beat the Steelers, and then the Bills beat the Patriots, and the Jags would make it in. <laughs> Well, the Steelers could easily lose because Cleveland, I think, Cleveland probably is better than the Steelers. Right, yeah. Uh, they might, you know, and then I can see the Jets. So, yeah, that's very realistic, too. But I, I, if I were to put my money on it, I'd put New England uh, gets it. Yeah, in, in any other scenario, I would tell you you're crazy, but I would not be surprised right now with, with all of the stuff that's gone on. Um, I just don't – having not heard from the Bills, like I've said a few times – it just makes it impossible to know where their stand, where their where their standpoint is, and all of this, yeah. and how they're viewing moving forward. So, and, and just be clear, I if I'm putting my money on it for the NFC final spot, I'm giving it to the Green Bay Packers. Like, yeah, so that was the assumption right now. Um, so it's, that's that's easy. I, I I would be shocked if um, uh, if Detroit got in because I think Seattle's going to beat LA yeah. in yeah. Seattle. I, I don't see them losing to Baker Mayfield and and the the rams so i think seattle wins and if detroit because i could see detroit beating green bay but not with the momentum green bay has but it, I, the least likely scenario is detroit gets in uh most likely it's green bay and then hey the seahawks get in good for them i think whoever gets in is going to get knocked out by the 49ers so Alrighty, well. uh, but there's a scenario there is a scenario where the um the dallas cowboys are hosting the seventh seed because if the giants beat philadelphia and san francisco wins then Dallas would be the two seed because they beat Minnesota head to head. And that would mean that Aaron Rodgers would be going to Dallas. And he is, even though he's had a horrible record against San Francisco in the playoffs, he has a fantastic record against the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. So if I'm a Green Bay Packers fan, I'm hoping that the Giants beat Philadelphia and I'm hoping that Dallas beats Washington so that we're playing the Dallas Cowboys in round one. 
Lots of parody coming into this week 18 slate of NFL action, obviously, with the, the question marks surrounding the Buffalo Bills. That is something that will need to be monitored going forward. But we'll start with uh, making our picks for week 18. And at the top here, we have the Tennessee Titans going to Jacksonville to face the Jacksonville Jaguars at 8.15 on ESPN slash ABC on Saturday night. Very exciting. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman will be making their first call since the um, since the Bills-Bengals uh, fiasco that we uh, witnessed uh, the other night. So it will be interesting to see how the teams in this week kind of pay tribute to Tamar Hamlin. I'm sure that they'll be doing some sort of tribute uh, before the games, and it will be good to see. I will be traveling to TIA Bankfield for this game. And to stick with the superstition that we have been going through, going with on this show i am going to pick the tennessee titans to defeat the jacksonville jaguars i'm going to be sad it is going to be annoying to watch derrick henry run all over my team again uh and it's gonna suck money mike what do you think is gonna happen with this game every time that i believe in the jags they've let me down so when i pick against them and think that they're not going to win they come through so for that very reason i'm picking the tennessee titans <laughs> same thing I'm, I'm not gonna i'm not gonna be the one who who is responsible for this so i'm gonna i'm gonna continue doing what i've been doing on this run that they've had and pick against them and i'm leaving it there all right nick be the voice of reason i have three words and drew i want you to say them with me okay fuck the titans fuck the titans you're right you're right I know it's blasphemy, but I'm superstitious. I think I, I think it goes without saying we all think the Jags are going to win this game. Just Drew and I <laughs> on the official pick for the record, we'll pick against the Jags so we don't throw off what we've done in the universe here. Yeah. Well, then I won't say anything else. I will say <laughs> no, that's all right. You could pick the Jags, and I know Steve would probably pick the Jags in this conversation as well because I know he usually just kind of goes with what he actually thinks, and he's not weird like me and Mike. But we'll go move on to the next game here. We've talked about this ad nauseum throughout this show, New England Patriots traveling to Buffalo to face the Bills after uh, after a, a huge, huge thing that happened on Monday that they're going to have to work through. Uh, Nick, how do you officially think this game is going to go? Um, right now, I don't think they're going to play the game. That's, I think, the most likely thing in my mind right now based on the not knowing. And yeah. It's the weird that that's an option that I'm deciding to take, but I think, I don't know. I just don't, I can't possibly pick this game not knowing if the Bills are even like practicing for a game right now. All right, right. so let's just say in in a hypothetical scenario, the Bills are taking the approach of we're going to do this for tomorrow, we're going to go in and we're going to play. The Patriots suck. They're going to beat them. All right, there you go. Well, we're just going to go with that. I'm going to say the same thing. I think the Bills will win in that scenario. Money Mike, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm thinking that the Bills are zapped emotionally. I'm thinking they're not preparing for the game, and I do think that the game is going to be played. So from that standpoint, I think the Patriots are preparing. They have Bill Belichick, and they're going to come out, and it's not going to be pretty. It's not like they're going to kill the Bills or anything like that. But I think the Patriots, who need this win more and have a lot more emotions into the game, are going to go in and, 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 and win it. So I'm picking the Patriots. All right. Yeah, I will say, just to, before we move on, if, this, if the Chiefs lose, then, you know, the, the, if the Chiefs win and, 
or lose a lot. You're playing at the same time. It's not going to matter. You're not going to know. Are the Chiefs playing on Saturday? Yeah, yeah, they're playing on Saturday. Oh, they are. Okay. First game oh, of the sorry. week. I thought they were playing. Okay, sorry. Yeah. I, I didn't realize they were playing Saturday. So yeah, that would be different. Yeah, that would be yeah. different. So it, if the Chiefs lose, if the Chiefs lose, the Bills aren't going to play their guys. They're they're just going to pull the pull the rug out because if they lose, they still get the one seed. If the Chiefs lose. Uh no, you guys. Well, you guys. Well, if no, you guys beat the Bengals, right? Yeah. Bengals well, you guys would still be a game behind, right? So like is so, it, yeah yeah so like if you yeah, if you yeah. lost so, to the so Bengals really, the, the only yeah. the, the only way that the that the Bengals Bills game is not relevant is if you guys lose to the Patriots and the Chiefs win against the Raiders because then yeah. it didn't matter if you if you beat the Bengals or not you have one less loss than the Chiefs one more loss than the Chiefs so or the other it would way affect, I would just say the other way around too if the Bills ended up beating the Patriots and the Chiefs lost to the Raiders they would have the same record and then the Bills would have the one seed. Those would have one fewer loss. Yeah. So. Yeah, one fewer loss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so. I don't know. It's so strange. <laughs> it's, it's it's very weird, but. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll move on to the next one here. Minnesota Vikings at Chicago Bears. This is a quick one. Chicago Bears are starting Nathan Peterman. Vikings are gonna win, right? Yeah. All you had yeah. to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, and final game of the week that we'll be picking here: New York Giants traveling to Philadelphia to face a Philadelphia Eagles team led by, who knows, whether it's Dalen Hurts or Gardner Minshew. Uh, Mike, what do you think? Um, I think the Giants win, and I'm going to pick because I don't care who's playing, who's in uniform. When it's the Giants-Eagles game, I don't care what the record is. I don't care who's in uniform. I will never, ever, 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 ever pick the Eagles to beat the Giants, ever. I, I think the Giants are going to win this game, too. Nick, what do you, what do you think? Um, I think if Hurts plays, the Eagles win, and if if Mitchu plays, the, the Giants win. So I know that's not a real pick. I think Hurts is going to play. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. The Eagles can't fuck around with this one. Yeah. They just fucked around two weeks in a row. Like, and I, I, he was close to playing the Saints game. He was all, he was almost good to go for them. So. I think he was more pissed than the average Eagles than <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> all right. I think, Hurts, I think Hurts is more pissed on the sideline than the average Eagles fan. Right. So... He's, as long as they don't tell him he can't play, he's gonna play. Um, they they, they, kill, they killed us the first time around. The Eagles, if they're if Hurts is healthy, should win. But no, I'm never picking the Eagles to beat the Giants. No. It would be okay. an absolute embarrassment for the Eagles to fall to the five seed. Um, I hope it. Oh, happens. it would be hilarious though. <laughs> and it, okay, my perfect football scenario is the Giants beat the Vikings in Wild Card Weekend. The Eagles are the five seed and get knocked out by Tom Brady, and Aaron Rodgers knocks off the Dallas Cowboys. That is the perfect scenario for me. So it if that happens, happen. it could easily happen. I there would love it. Yeah, that would be absolutely fantastic. So an exciting slate of Week 18 games. I'm excited to see what happens, and I'm sure you guys are too. Very quickly, we're going to talk about a couple things not NFL related, and then we'll let you guys go for today. Uh, college football playoff happened this weekend. Um, on New Year's uh, Eve, Mich- Michigan Wolverines faced the TCU Horned Frogs. TCU winning, I believe it was a, a score of 51-45. to 45. Let me double-check just so I'm not wrong here. You know, we, we try to be correct here on another damn sports podcast. Yes, TCU wins the game 51-45. Some controversial refereeing done in this game that screwed Michigan. Michigan was screwed out of a touchdown um, because of college football rules, and you're immediately down once you give yourself up. Uh, on a play in the second quarter where it should have been a touchdown if it was in the NFL, but the receiver was called short of the goal line uh, by a yard. It made no sense. 
untouched. He rolled into the end zone, but they called him down at the one. And then Michigan proceeded to fumble on the next play. Obviously, you shouldn't fumble in that scenario, but it just sucked that it got to that point in general. And then on the very last drive where the Michigan could have drove down and won the game, they were down by six. Uh, there was a blatant targeting call that was missed on the final play of the game. Obviously, they still would have had to drive down with very little time and score a touchdown. So it's not like it was a guarantee that they would have won the game if that targeting call was called. But some referees, referee mistakes were made in this game. And TCU moves on to the national championship. Money Mike, uh, I know you said you were rooting for Michigan because you know some people who went to Michigan or from Michigan. Uh, have you talked to them? How are they feeling? Uh, not good. Not good. Uh, it's, uh, you know, Michigan really beat themselves. They had two pick sixes in this game and it was a six point loss. Yeah. Um, not to disrespect the Horn Frogs who've had an unbelievable season, but I feel like if Michigan had played up to their potential, they were the better team. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really was unfortunate that they did that, but Hey, yeah. You know, when it comes to these playoff games, you, it it doesn't matter what you did throughout the season. You have to play well and execute in that game. And unfortunately for Michigan, they didn't do it. They couldn't stop the Horn Frogs' offense um, a lot of the times. That, and it was just like unfortunately for Michigan, they didn't play well in the moment they needed to. And uh, good for TCU to overcome uh, a team that was favored to beat them. And the fact that they had lost their last regular season game in their conference championship. Uh, but had a good enough season to still make the college football playoff, and they took advantage of their opportunity. Yeah, that, great for the TCU Horned Frogs. Great for Nick Padula, who ended up hitting the over after uh, Pat McMahon recommended the pick on this podcast. If you if you bet the over, you won a lot of money. So, uh, Nick, I'm sure you were happy. Yeah, I was biting my nails a little bit at halftime. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> wasn't it, like, an incredible difference between the first and second half. So. They scored, like, 30 points in the third quarter, didn't they? Like, it was ridiculous. Yeah, it was, it was really just the third quarter alone. You're right. They hit the over in the third quarter after being less than half of, of the total. And yeah. I'm somebody who shies away from, from those high numbers. I mean, we were talking about 58 points. Like, for somebody who watches way more and follows the NFL way more than college football. Um, really, I, I would say that's, games. like, a barely above average total for college football. College football over-unders are way higher. They're, like, in the yeah. 70s frequently. It's crazy. Yeah. Two college football games over 200 points were scored. It was um, <laughs> unreal, absolutely unreal. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I think it was fun. A lot of people were rooting for chaos, and I don't really have a – I don't care which of these four teams was going to come out of it. Um, so, you know, now I'm just like, go, go purple team, I guess. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's very easy to root for – the underdog in the scenario because obviously TCU coming out of a uh, coming out of the Big Twelve, but a team that you don't really normally see in the mix. Uh, on the other side here, we had Georgia facing Ohio State, um, and Georgia pulls out the victory in a game that Ohio State was winning for most of the game, and then Georgia was able to make a rally late, close the gap, and win forty-two to forty-one, with the result being based off of a terribly missed. Uh, field goal at the end of the game that was perfectly synchronized with the ball dropping which was kind of funny um welcoming in the new year with probably one of the worst high pressure kicks in the history of football ohio state kicker ended up shanking the ball pretty badly and uh that was all she wrote for the ohio state buckeyes didn't break my heart too much i'm not a big fan of ohio state anyway and georgia hasn't really gotten to that point where they're always in the mix and you kind of get sick of seeing them that they're still building to that Alabama level. And I think they will get there, 
they're they just seem like such a dominant organization or program that has been able to just keep building on their successes but uh nick what were your thoughts when you saw that shanked field goal it's not surprising to me at this point i feel like <laughs> for whatever reason college football like the 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 top college football programs don't recruit kickers and punters like in the nfl they know that every single position matters and they're called specialists for a reason yeah and like the bills went out of their way to find a punter this year it was like one of their highest things on their list in the offseason to find it just feels like these college programs don't care who their kicker is um so like i don't i really don't know what the stats are for this guy but i, I know i've watched enough sec games with it coming down to a kick and the kicker just sucking that to not be surprised. I know that Ohio state's not in the sec, but they're one of those top teams in all of college football year after year. And so it really doesn't surprise me that they have a kicker that changed, changed a really important kick. I don't understand why they're not able to go get like the best kicker in all of high school and in the, in the, in the country. Yeah. I just feel like they don't, they don't prioritize those things. Um, Maybe they will after this because it was a at least be competitive with the kick right <laughs> at least get close right I, and like it's easy for us to say we're on a shitty podcast he's in front of millions <laughs> and millions of people uh for to get to the college football national championship game you can't fault him most people would screw that up but it's it, it's just very unfortunate that it just like wasn't even close right mike yeah i mean cj stroud played unbelievable for ohio state and they really played the better game. And even the Georgia head coach afterwards goes, I don't think we deserve to win. We pulled it out, but we probably shouldn't have won this game. Like he's like, we played really bad and we have a lot of work to do before we play in the national championship game. But man, what a, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck on Michigan. What a uh, kick in the face. It would have been to Michigan fans. If you played that game, the way you played it, TCU wins. And then your hated rival beats Georgia and they're in the national championship and you're not like, Ugh. that was just, Oh my gosh. But I think we got, honestly, I think we got the least desirable outcome we could have gotten for a championship game because you've got TCU who's the underdog versus Georgia. So most people are going to root for TCU, but like of all the scenarios that could have happened, like everyone was kind of expecting it to be Georgia, Michigan, best two teams all year long. Um, but it would have been real exciting if it was Ohio state, Michigan, because it's two hit yeah. rivals in the national championship. That would have been awesome. That's true. Um, but you know, and then if it was Ohio state versus TCU, it's like, Oh cool. The fourth and three seed beat the top two teams. Now they're playing each other. That's kind of cool. So I feel like Georgia TCU is kind of like, meh, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I think. Like, I just look at yeah. it, and again, it's any given game, any given Sunday or Saturday, or in this case a Monday night, I think that Georgia got their bad game out of them, and they're going to just kill them. Like, I absolutely think that they're just going to kill them, and I don't think it's going to be that interesting. So I could be wrong, and if it, I, I, I hope TCU wins because they're the underdog. But I don't even honestly know if I'm really going to pay much attention to this game because I really don't care that much. No, I don't either. And Nick, do you kind of have the same prediction? Georgia's going to win this game. Um, I don't. I also don't care. But I think after watching <laughs> these two games, um, I think I'll bet the over whatever it is, and I'll bet TCU to cover whatever it is, and and I think I'm just going to go that way. Okay. Um, so so you still think Georgia's going to win? You just think TCU's going to be able to Maybe. keep it close and then the, the points are going to get high okay <laughs> fair enough i i believe george is going to win this game as well i'll be rooting for the tcu but should probably be in like the 60s based on what oh yeah last 
Definitely. But all right, we'll move on to our last topic of the day. And the, very frequently, that is basketball. Today, we'll just be talking about Syracuse basketball. Uh, ACC play it has started and has ramped up for Syracuse. They've been able to start against some uh, lower level programs. Uh, they were able to defeat Boston College and barely squeaked by Louisville in a very ugly game last night that we were texting through. That was a that was a fun one. Um, they got destroyed by Pittsburgh which Pittsburgh is seeming to be a much better team than we thought they were going to be because they just beat UNC. And uh, how did they do against Virginia last night? I didn't I didn't see what the, the score was for they're them. Undefeated. They're, they're undefeated in the ACC. Pittsburgh won? Pittsburgh's undefeated in the ACC, so they had to have. Wow, okay. I, I did not see that. That's fantastic for them, man. They're, they're, they're a team that's looking pretty good then if they're able to get those wins. So, uh, they college... won by three. They, they won 68-65 yeah. at home. Dude, these ACC... CC standings right now look like the football standings like Pittsburgh's number one then Clemson then Miami I mean it's only that you would think Clemson would be number one there if it was real football stats but you got University of Miami Clemson Pittsburgh at the top of the standings and then Syracuse but then at the bottom of it it's Notre Dame Louisville UNC it's like oh this is college football standings looking at no those are the basketball standings dude college right basketball is just an absolute crapshoot right now and like Pat said on last week's pod this tournament's gonna be crazy and I'm excited for it uh nobody's gonna know what the hell's gonna happen nobody's gonna know who's gonna win and that's what makes for a good tournament, right? But I've been saying all year long, I was like, don't ex- if you're a Syracuse fan, don't expect to be playing in the NCAA tournament this year. The NCAA as a whole is not that good, and so yeah. <laughs> Syracuse could get in by default. They could be yeah, they were, they're they're amongst other bad teams. <laughs> they were talking about expanding the field in the NCAA tournament. I was like, oh God, please don't do that, <laughs> especially not this year. Like um, NIL has changed whole landscape of college basketball and so like i don't know there it's it's just really weird that there aren't really that many if you, good teams if right you now. just add one more round to that tournament nick it's 128 teams in the bracket <laughs> but like we can't even fill 68 good teams into this bracket right now it's it's not it's not 10 years i mean ago you shouldn't be able to there's not that many good basketball players like, like at some point the level of play is just going to really drop off. And I think you're right. If they did that, that just wouldn't look good. But Nick, do you legitimately think Syracuse has a shot, like Mike was saying, to somehow sneak their their way into the tournament because the field is just that bad? Yeah, I think just because of that reason. But Syracuse is also one of those bad teams. I mean, they literally were so close to losing. Probably there's a million arguments that can be made they should have lost. Were, they only led the game for like a little bit last night, and, and for people who don't, point. yeah, for people who don't follow Against Louisville, is two and twelve. Two and thirteen, yeah. Louisville team. <laughs> two and thirteen. <laughs> Sorry. Two and thirteen is Louisville's record right now, and Syracuse beat them by one barely last night. So, <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, your record is your resume. Uh, I don't give Syracuse a chance at beating any team that's half decent this year. Um, so luckily they got you know of the lower teams and yeah maybe maybe you guys are right pittsburgh is better boston college is not and, and louisville definitely is not um and yeah, the uh, fact that we were so close with louisville last night was kind of embarrassing <laughs> yeah super embarrassing i mean nobody should be happy about what happened last what happened last <laughs> night they, they, sh- they should just feel lucky and uh move on but yeah virginia coming up next i'm pretty sure uh it's it's gonna change it's gonna change here really quick you're going to UVA, who, yes, they just lost to Pittsburgh on the road, but you're going to UVA um, coming off of a, of a loss. You know, you, you, I don't give them any chance. Like, literally, what I don't know, whatever UVA is favored by, 
um, yeah, I, pr- I probably feel pretty comfortable by, about taking taking them to cover. Uh, yeah. I just don't think that Syracuse is too young this year. Um, I agree with what Pat said last week, that the only guy you can really trust and rely on game in and game out is Jesse Edwards. And that's with the caveat that he doesn't get into foul trouble like he did against Louisville early on. Um, obviously, with big men in college basketball, is the easiest um, guy on the court to get into foul trouble. So they're in trouble um, unless everything goes right for them in these games. Judah and Mitz needs a jump shot, dude. Mitz needs oh, yeah, to learn how to shoot. <laughs> yeah, so I was saying to you guys, like between Joe Girard and Judah Mintz, they've got a like a little. They got a, one guy who can dribble but can't shoot, and one guy who can't dribble and sometimes can shoot. Like Joe Girard went off for almost thirty points last night, but his percentages were not good. He shot like fifty percent from the field, so he it's just not a great situation. You know, <laughs> Judah's not going to be a one and done if he can't figure out how to shoot. Um, the, really, there's no not a single complete basketball player on this team. Even Jesse, like he doesn't have a ten foot jumper, and sometimes his free throws aren't even going down. Yeah. So yeah, um, you don't have a single complete basketball player on their team, and that's just bound for trouble. And not having a guy at the end of the game who, if you're down, if you're the team down one, Syracuse would have lost last night. They don't have a guy or a coach who can draw up a fucking play. I'm sorry, like, say what you will about Jim Beheim, but he is terrible out of timeouts. I've never seen him come out of a timeout and do something smart. It's always something stupid. I don't understand what the purpose of the timeout is if you're not going to draw up a play to get somebody a shot. Man has been coaching for 80 years. He's he going to say, yeah, the guy's a legend. Like, right, but, like, he can't. Figure out a good play out of a timeout. You're right. It's it's just not a good look. Next time you watch Syracuse, and that's the other thing, is like no matter what this team does, we're still going to watch all the games because it's like ingrained in our DNA to watch Syracuse basketball no matter what. But just next time you watch Syracuse basketball, just watch what they do on offense out of a timeout and tell me the next time (laughs) they do something that was smart out of a timeout don't get it i don't get it like it's like when when indiana jones five uh comes out i'm gonna go see it even though i know it's going to be bad i just love the franchise so much that i have to go see what it is yeah and that's how it is it's almost like maybe jim does draw up this great play but nobody pays any attention to him when he speaks <laughs> it's like, it's like, nah we're not gonna do that yeah we're just gonna have judah mince dribble it up the court and then turn it over with five yes, seconds left so the question every year is... Almost gave the game away last I know, night. dude. It was so bad. Oh, my God. The question every year is who's the guy at the end of the game, if needed, that's going to take the shot, that's going to take over the game. Everybody else just gets out of his way. So they got a guy who can dribble but can't shoot. Not a great situation. Honestly, that's their best bet, is that if they just say, Judah, drive to the basket. Yeah. Especially if you're in the bonus. Gerard doing it. Right. That's another thing, is... Joe loves to drive to the basket and just throw up a fucking 0% chance of going in prayer, trying to get fouled. And they almost never call fouls on those plays. So, yeah, please don't give Joe Girard the ball at the end of the game. I don't care if sometimes the miracle threes go in. Um, it's really just Judah drive to the basket. That's your best chance. I, I don't know. It's not a great situation this year. I hope they get better, but... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're all hoping, we're all hoping, but uh, still a chance, just like Money Mike said, they could still sneak their way into the tournament, and there is still a chance 
that all four of the teams represented by another damn sports podcast in the National Football League will make the playoffs. I am hoping that is the case because the Jaguars are the only ones being held out at this point. If they win, they're in this weekend. So I will be at that game. Hoping for the best for my Jags. Hoping the the Giants are able to spoil the Eagles run uh, and uh, give them the five seed. And I'm hoping for the best, as we all are on this podcast, for DeMar Hamlin and his health and the Buffalo Bills organization in general to be able to move on and prosper and uh, be successful going forward. Nick, any final words for the listeners and viewers of another damn sports podcast? Shout out to Ian and Burrito in the chat. You put it really well. I think that's the the best news we could get um, out of this weekend, out of, you know, this next week is just, you know, hopefully this kid wakes up and he's okay. And, and that's all anybody wants to see. And obviously like all of these discussions we've had will, will change immensely just if that one little thing, which is major right now, could happen. So um, that's what I'm looking out for more than anything this week. Is uh, DeMar Hamlin coming out of this thing okay? Yes, as we all are. And uh, very quickly, shout out to Seth. He's also lurking in the chat. He's like, what the hell? You're not going to give me a shout out as well. So shout out to him as well. Money Mike, uh, any final words? Yeah. Uh, first, uh, Drew, you forgot to introduce me as the annual Phoenix Fantasy oh. Football Champion. That's okay, though. Suck it, Gino. <laughs> I beat you again in a championship game. That's two for two for me. Uh, two in 13 years, I think we've had this league, Drew. Uh, that's not bad. Two yeah. championships in, in in 11, 12, 13 years, however long we've been doing it. That's, I'll take that. Yeah. Uh, most other it's years, more than I don't even make the playoffs, so I'll take yeah. it. Um, looks like your weather's going to be great Saturday night for the Jags game. Looks like it's going to be 53 at game time. Hell so yeah. It's going to be awesome for you. I hope that you have a fantastic weekend there. Um, for the Giants standpoint, I hope they play everybody and everybody stays healthy. Um, and we play the Eagles in a competitive game, whether we win or lose, because it's not going to change our seeding no matter what. We're the sixth seed no matter what. So I hope the Giants just play them tough and get uh, momentum going to the playoffs and stay healthy. And uh, like Nick said, I really hope most of all over anything is I hope that um, Hamlin wakes up and is conscious and is able to I, – I, I don't even care if he's able to play another game of football again for the rest of his life. I just hope that he can live the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I'm really hoping for for him and um, for the Bills players and coaches – and even for the Bengals players and coaches that were there to witness that, I hope that they can um, emotionally recover from this. And I think the best way to do that is for him to be okay. And if if they're playing, if we still don't know the status this weekend um, as to whether or not if he's still in critical condition, I hope that the Bills and Bengals are still able to go out and play and give it their best chance um, so that we can see truly the best football we possibly can. Um, and uh, looking forward to hearing about uh, your experience, Drew, on Saturday night. Looking forward to uh, seeing what they're going to do about this Bills-Bengals game, if they're going to make it up or if they're not. I'm very curious to see what the solution that ultimately comes out is. So hope everybody enjoys their uh, Week 18 football. And if your team's in it, great. If your team's not, hey, there's always next year. Shout out to Nick Padula. Shout out to Money Mike Gilchrist. And take care, everybody. <laughs>